Hello, hello. Welcome to the Eddie Conversation podcast, episode number 11. My name is Eddie V. Hill, and I am your host. I am a Los Angeles-based filmmaker. Uh, This week, getting a little bit nerdy in the film realm again. But reminders, before we get into that, this podcast is also available in video form on YouTube. If you do want to watch along versus just listen, you can find that by searching the Eddie Conversation podcast there. Also, bonus points after listening. If you are a fan of the show, leave some sort of rating or review on the platform that you're listening or watching. Heard that helps the show. And uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. Episode number 11 featuring Eric Toms. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely, man. Um, You are Eric Toms. I am. I did write a little... I normally don't introduce my guests very much, but I will introduce you a little bit here. I think of you. You're you're quite like the multi-hyphenate, right? Is... uh, you, I primarily see you as an actor, mm-hmm. but you also have a history of doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. You produce, you write, you direct. I think you edit too. You edit. You well, you don't really edit. A little. You bit. can't edit. I can't, I'm capable of it, but it's not my strength. I first met you as you were the host of a Night of Shorts Night, mm-hmm. and now I guess recently you're also a programmer for. Newport Beach Film Festival. That's right. Yep. Yes. So all that stuff. It's <laughs> a lot of stuff. And we can talk about all of it individually and, and all that good stuff. But how do you want to be known? How do you, how do you what's your, yeah. I, Let's start with that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just posed this question the other day and like somebody had asked me, it's like, oh, what do you, what's like the first thing? Right. Like you want to, and strangely, I think like these days, it is a weird question to answer. And I think you, because you're also a multi hyphenate as well, you do a bunch of things. Sure. You know that one feeds into the other. So it's just like, I really, I think above all else, consider myself a writer. Like, that's really the thing that I, it's the stuff that I, I mean, I write every day. It's, it's some stuff of the last couple of years, like now I'm going to be pretty proud of my writing. Um, I think it's the thing that I'm, mm. uh, I can vacillate between genres pretty well. Um, whereas like with, you know, when it comes to acting, like I'm really just a comedic actor. Uh, right. You know, sure. I can do some dramatic stuff, but it's just when I walk on stage, people start laughing. And I'm like, well, I don't know if that's good or bad, but, yeah, but... <laughs> but that's what it is, man. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think actor, writer are really the things that if I had a magic wand and could create any job, then that's what it would be. It would be me writing on a show in which mm-hmm. I was acting in or re- me writing on a movie that like I was also acting in. Um, something like, I feel like directing and producing, I do out of, uh, as Mel Brooks says, uh, I do it out of self-defense. Like if mm-hmm. if I if I give it to somebody else, like oh, they're probably going to screw it up, so I'll just go ahead and direct it. Mm-hmm. Or like you know, when it comes to producing, it's, I mean, as you know, we live in this very DIY yeah. era, and you know, if you're coming out, I think there's if you're coming out to Los Angeles or New York or any major city, and you're just going to do one job, I don't think you have much of a chance anymore. I think that places that hire, I mean. It, with the exception of maybe like very, very high-end actors or some writers, but usually whenever you meet people now, there's a term that I hate, but it's such a shortcut, which is content creator. 
And I hate the idea of thinking of art or entertainment as content. Like, that makes it sound like you're just filling up boxes in a space. Like, it's yeah. a little bit more special than mm -hmm. that. But the everyone now, like... Alec Baldwin, who's been acting forever, has a podcast, you know, mm -hmm. and he goes around mm -hmm. and he sets up his microphones and he goes and uh, and it does his show. And then, like, he, he, I'm sure he takes it to an editor, but he has some some understanding of how all of that happens. So I primarily, to answer, the most long-winded <laughs> answer I could give you. Sure. Writer, actor. Okay. Writer, <laughs> actor. Because you said, okay, you said a lot there. Now, you said that you produce and direct mm -hmm. out of self-defense is how you described it. Yeah. Okay. Now, when when I think about, all right, where do I go with that? <laughs> I think about it's similar to. Okay, do you write and so do you direct and produce because you're afraid someone is going to mess it up, or does is there also this layer of it's not going to get done? Unless I produce and direct it. Is, it is, is that a thing that happens too? Or do you have... Yeah, I think... I guess I, depending maybe. It may be, it may be honestly some like low-level trust issues. Like <laughs> uh, there, you know, I, I, I think maybe it might be also uh, where I'm just like, I, I, I have to get this thing done. So I guess I'm just going to do all the stuff. Uh, yeah. And, you know, in doing that, you I think you you get something where like I don't have to wait on anybody. Like I don't have mm -hmm. to send an email to some guy or some woman and then wait for them to process it and then come back to me. It's like I can just do it everything right now. Right. And I love immediacy. I love like you know, like stand up is so great for me because it was literally, you know, you it's write a you. joke today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going on stage tonight and I can see if that works or not. And I love that turnaround. Mm -hmm. um, I hated the travel though. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was such a lonely job, and I did it for years. But yeah, working the road was was gnarly, man. It was rough. All right, well, we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. All right, we got time. Yeah. <laughs> we got time. I want. All right. So it sounds like I mean this is it's a classic thing. Like it's just it's control feels good, especially when you're the when you're the curator of the idea and and. Like that's kind of where you're coming from is trust issues lead into the control of of the product and okay all right that all makes sense yeah yeah I mean I I was thinking about myself in terms of me as a writer initially I wrote because I wanted to direct yeah so it was a similar thing where I only did it because it got me to this other point where yeah. it sounds like that's that's a similar similar situation yeah i don't well do you do you like writing yeah you do okay i, I mean i've written forever i i've written since i was a little kid I always with i always think about the the creative like narratives kind of short story short story stuff like just prose with uh adventures of my stuffed animals and, and like that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. that i would try to write and then of course i didn't know how to write i, I got bogged down even as a kid with like you know, you, you get to writing, and then you just like lose track of where it's going. This is going nowhere. Yeah. And, but yeah, I was always super big on on the writing side. Just it wasn't my yeah primary objective. Maybe. Yeah, I, I have found I think it's one of the reasons why I like writing so much is that like when you write something, it's done. That's it. You're, like you've you've mm -hmm. written the thing. You're mm -hmm. it's complete. Um, what is tough about acting is 
by and large, it's, it's hard because, you know, if you want to act, you need an audience, you need probably a scene partner, you need a place to do it. Like, there's so much that goes mm -hmm. along with acting that can be really, that can stop you a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit different now with things like YouTube, you know, and like putting yourself online. It's like, that's cool. You don't get the live audience feel. Yeah. Uh, but writing, I do love just because it's so self-contained. Like mm -hmm. you write a thing, like that's it. You're done. You wrote mm -hmm. the thing. You're all finished. Yeah. No, for sure. It's definitely self-contained. Um, I'm trying to figure out on where I want to go next. There's so many avenues, but okay. Let's just stick with. I mean, you mentioned stand-up comedy. You mentioned writing. I did want to. You were definitely describing. The night of shorts night mentality too with yeah. with the uh, with moving to LA and getting stuff done. I don't know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear about. I just want to hear more about you right now. So mm -hmm. you mentioned the writers, kind of what you're honing into right now yeah. is more primarily. What was your answer? So, can we talk about? your recent stuff or like I know yeah. I know that you are, oh yeah go 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 with that I don't know uh, I don't what, know what you're working on uh, well I tell you it's funny I um so we're in November now of the lockdown and in the first couple of months um I really want I reached out to like I'm like I'm doing pretty well mm -hmm. financially not to say that I'm rich sure. uh, I lost my job because of COVID I was doing you know I was working on a Disney plus show but like my wife makes good money, you know, we're afloat, we're fine. I know a lot of artists, you know, who are single income, mm -hmm. who their livelihood or maybe their side hustle was you know, directly, they lost their job. So I was seeking out artists to try and like um, uh, support people. Mm -hmm. And one of the people I went to was a guy named Nicholas Thurkettle, who's presented The Night Shorts before. And uh, I've never been a very effective Shakespearean actor. I've done it before, mm -hmm. but I'm just, I'm sweating bullets and I'm just trying to get all the words out in yeah, the right yeah, order. Yeah. That's all I'm yeah. doing. Uh, so I went to him and I was like, hey man, like I'll throw some money at you and you give me some acting lessons on Shakespeare. And he was fantastic. And in doing that, it kind of ignited something in me. I was like, oh, let's do some more scenes. And I contacted a few friends and I wrote a scene. I was kind of politically charged. Um, mm. Because it's been on top of mind for the last, I don't know how many years yeah, now. For, four, for, probably. For, for whatever reason, yeah. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> uh, so I wrote it out, and I got you know some friends together, and we did it via Zoom. And, of mm -hmm. course, the inevitable question was like, okay, well, what are you going to do with this? And they had said, like, oh, you should film it and make it into a short. And I really didn't want to mm -hmm. because it's, it required four guys in a restaurant all sitting at the same booth talking. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. And also, like, renting the place, would be that be difficult? Like, all of these things. And then somebody else said, oh, we can do it, like, maybe in a, a play. We'll do it in somebody's backyard and we'll socially distance. And I was like, that sounds kind of lame, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I had the idea of, like, oh, what about, like, an audio drama? Because mm -hmm. each of the guys, like, yeah. we all, like, had kind of voiceover setups. And so we did that. We did a Zoom. And then we each, each of us, like, mm -hmm. were in our closet with a microphone and yeah, we yeah. all recorded our parts and then I cut them together and made this little audio drama and I am hooked, dude. Like, I love it. Mm -hmm. I'm so on board. I wrote the next one. I'm getting ready to uh, send that to my actors for the next one that we're going to do. I'm going to do 12 all together and make a release a season of a podcast. Okay, okay. So it'll be like Twilight Zone-esque. Yeah, um, yeah. 
but I love it because same thing like we talked about before, like the immediacy of it. Like I write it, it takes me you know three four days, show it to somebody, sit on it for a sec, so about a week, mm-hmm. and then for all the pieces I write are about ten pages. So then I get together with the actors, mm-hmm. we do it two three times. It's about an hour, and then we get together and we record on Zoom. And that's maybe 45 minutes we run through it, you know, three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I cut it together. And because it's just audio, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so much easier. You can do a lot with that. You can do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing is being an actor, too, you're so much more versatile. Like, I have to look like this, but I can sound like anything. Mm-hmm. So that's been a nice thing i found as well with my actors. Like, you can also, it's like, oh, you can be a lot more than just what you normally play. Uh, so that is the thing that I'm working on right now. The uh, the first one. Uh, and sorry to oh, sure. to interject. Is that because you mentioned the Shakespearean stuff you were you were kind of practicing with? Mm-hmm. Are you writing Shakespearean? Does this lead into there at all? Like for some reason, my mind went to like you guys are performing some Shakespearean stuff to start with. Yeah. And then you're writing your own stuff. So I'm like, I was trying to see where if Shakespeare. No, the, the, the through line was more Nicholas Thurkettle was the, one of the actors that I ended up oh, using. Okay. Yeah, and right. I mean, like he really ignited that. Like you know, like okay, let's get together and make some stuff in the safest way we know how, which ended up being no. like these audio dramas. And yeah. like it, the nice thing is too, there's so many of my actor friends are just sitting around twiddling their thumbs waiting for the industry to start again. Yeah, and so. Like, I get my pick of the litter as far as actors goes. Like, anybody's, and everyone's available. <laughs> They're all yeah, just sitting yeah. around. So, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. This could be a good opportunity for me to, like, reach out to some people who are probably, you know, in upper echelons, like, in the in the game, who are probably still just waiting around, waiting for stuff to start. So, I'm like, all right, terrific. Come out and do this thing. It takes mm, Have some fun. Exactly. Have some yeah. fun. Yeah. So, that's what I'm working on primarily right now. I'm, I veered a little far away from, I'm veering pretty far away from comedy. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that I'm writing right now is uh, people transitioning to a bad place. Like usually, the the play mm-hmm. starts off in a fairly mundane kind of spot. It's these, you know, we introduce the characters and these people, and then it's there slowly getting pulled into some dangerous or maybe devious somebody else's plan or plot, mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of where my head's at right now. Okay. I, I am curious. We just had the election. I'm wondering if after this I, I might be much more upbeat. Well, so, <laughs> well, yeah, you might be. So, uh, so you said it's Twilight Zone ask in, in in a way that it's more. I mean, the, each each episode is a self-contained thing. It's mm-hmm. not a. That's okay. Yeah, right. cool. uh, and yeah, you know, some of my favorite episodes. I'm a huge Rod Serling fan. If you go inside my place, mm-hmm. um, I've got like three or four framed pictures of him. Uh, okay. He was an inc- had incredible. Uh, yeah, just the um, uh, amount of work that he came up with was insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wrote, I think, 95% of all the Twilight episodes, mm-hmm. and there were 37 episodes per season. Mm-hmm. Like, it was an insane mm-hmm. amount. And I think he was doing, like, a daytime radio show as well, and then would write movies and plays on top of that. Like, he was so prolific. Yeah. Uh, and he stood for, you know, a, so many of the things that he fought for then are still... We're still fighting for today. You know, he mm-hmm. was very. You know, he was. He stood up against fascism, against racists, against imperialism, colonialism. You know, like all of these things. Like mm-hmm. he really believed in giving people a fair chance and a fair mm-hmm. shot. And the little guy deserves just as much shot as you know some corporate monster. Uh, and right. he he probably would have been much bigger. Uh, 
but he fought the the channels all the time on censorship mm -hmm. and things that they wouldn't show, and then they would take his ideas and water them down. And mm. so there, he was not really well liked in the studio system yeah, yeah, because yeah. he was this guy who just made a lot of noise yeah. and you know it's wanted a to strong voice, yeah. very very much so. Yeah. Um, so I I'm trying to emulate the things about the Twilight Zone that I like the best, mm -hmm. and. I go back and forth. My best friend is a guy named Jeff Brather, uh, and he always wants to take my stuff and turn it into like creep show or something like that, where there's you know mm. it's a moral play at the end, where the bad guy's going to get their comeuppance. And I'm I'm not a big a fan of the of, of that particular yeah. type of storytelling. I like things that are a little bit more open ended, a little bit more interpretive. Maybe they don't spell everything out for mm -hmm. you. You know the the Crispin Glover. Uh, you know, had said about art, like the idea of art is you look at it and then it's your interpretation of it. It doesn't matter what the artist's intention was. Mm -hmm. Whatever you take from it, that's that's its power. And I kind of like that malleability when it comes mm -hmm. to a story. Of here's the thing that happens. It can be a metaphor for a lot of stuff, but it's whatever you're taking away yeah, from yeah. it. Like that's the important story. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll give you the groundwork, but like you get to fill in like all the other like little kind of nooks and crannies mm -hmm. and make that personally yours. Yeah, and play, playing in, playing into it versus like you said, your buddy that wants you to <laughs> hammer it home. I'm like, yeah. no, this is this is what I want you to take away. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, that's that storytelling for me is the most fun because. Uh, you know, you, you have to do some of the work yourself. You yeah. know, you're engaging with the audience as opposed to like, here's the good guy and here's the bad guy, and they fight, and then the bad guy loses. I'm like, it's I that's cool for my kids. <laughs> I'm not ten though, so I want something a little bit emotional complexity. Sure, sure. And uh, it, the thing is too, I'm sure you've gotten this. You must have had this at some point in your life, where <laughs> you realize that you watch movies differently than like civilians do like re than regular people do and I remember speaking to a friend one mm -hmm. time about um, I had just seen um, oh god oh <laughs> I rewatched fried green tomatoes okay and it's this you know middle-aged women you know and like family drama and I was you know like I think like 18 or 19 mm -hmm. my mom had watched it when I was a kid and then I watched it when I was older and I was talking to him about how much I liked it. He's like, is it like a sad story? And I said, yeah. And he goes, why do you want to watch a movie and be sad? I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> Doesn't, that's what, you, that's what you watch movies for, is for the emotions. You know, you get yeah. like, you're happy, you're sad, or you're, you know, you're laughing, or you're angry. Like, you, that's what you get from it. And so you get, I'm sure you've had that as well, where you realize it's really important for you to understand, like, what did that one guy say? And what color shirt was he wearing when it happened? Like, did it change color? Did that reveal something about the character? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And how that interlocked with another character? Uh, whereas other people are like, Let's, I'm just waiting for stuff to explode. Right, I'm just right. waiting for things to blow up, and then there'd be a car chase, and mm -hmm. then, you know, I, I'd get out of there. No, it sounds like you're describing, I mean, I mean, I, okay, to say that I watched thing or at some point in my life, okay, let's ask... How do you watch movies? What do you have you always looked at stuff differently and watched it from like a, a storyteller perspective or or did you grow into that? I think I grew into it, but I think it was through like boredom because mm -hmm. um, I get really bored if I hear the same story and I feel that <laughs> this isn't even a dig. 
I think Hollywood makes a lot of its money telling the same story over and over oh, for again. Sure, for People sure. are very comfortable with it. They're very they want to relax at the end of the day. They want to see this guy and uh, his girlfriend gets kidnapped, and then he's got to go save her. And there's obstacles, and then there's a car chase, and then there things explode. And then the hero learns to be themselves. Yeah. And you kind of yeah yeah. Yeah exactly. <laughs> and so I I liked things that were you know just different and kind of strange mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, and so then that took me to, to watching kind of stranger movies. You know, I remember being a kid and, and watching, uh, uh, you know, things like Steel Magnolias, uh, or watching uh, uh, Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Um, you know, things that were most of the time I didn't understand. Like Glen yeah, Gary, yeah, yeah. Glen Ross was over my head, and like everyone's just swearing a lot. Yeah, but. Uh, it was something different, and the, mm -hmm. these complex characters. It's not always you're rooting for the good guy. A lot of times, the good guy is also kind of the bad guy too. Right, right. Uh, I just rewatched Michael Clayton not long ago, and like that's one of the fun things about George Clooney's character in that. Like, you're not sure which side of good and evil he's on. He's mm -hmm. kind of straddling a line, and at some point, he needs to make a decision. And that's that's usually really exciting for me. Or whenever you're watching the character who is an anti-hero, who's clearly like they're 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 not even the, they're not even the hero of the story. They're the yeah. protagonist. They're yeah. the antagonist. They're going to die as a result of their things and their friends of telling them like get off the tracks. There's a train coming and then they get they stay on the tracks and they get hit by the train. Like I'm fascinated by that when a story like surprises me or shocks me. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure you're probably the same way. You know, if you go to see some mainstream movies, you're usually two steps ahead. You're like I know where this is all going. Uh, well, there is there are tricks. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I was thinking multiple things when while you were talking there there's i feel like i've more recently changed the way i watch movies like it, i didn't necessarily always watch them with that critical eye and it annoys my parents now whenever i go home and we're watching tv or watching a commercial they're laughing at the joke of the commercial and i'm like i wonder how they shot that or <laughs> Or <laughs> what kind of lenses do they use for that? Was yeah, that I'm, like that, I'm like that's a lot of camera movement on that. I wonder why. Like whatever. I'm just looking at lighting and like just yeah. random stuff. And then sometimes I'll be watching like very dramatic moments, and I'll I'll be keeping in mind how much coverage they got on it. I'm like, whoa, they shot this on a wide, and they got whoa, they got a close here, a close here, and I'm like, they couldn't have shot that all at once. Yeah. How did, like and then I get impressed with the actors. I'm like, oh my gosh, the actor pulled it off because like continuity is big for me these days. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I'm in awe of like actors that can pull off the performance on all those different. But so I'm I'm like just keeping track of like how are they shooting this? How like what's? So I'm kind of watching more for that almost. Yeah. I get I get caught up in, in 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 the coverage and the in the frames and yeah. and, that, and that kind of thing. Um, but I do watch mainstream movies, specifically the Marvel movies. Yeah, I know you're a big Marvel. Fan. <laughs> I'm a huge Marvel fan, and like there's a part of my brain I can just turn off. And be like, this is my little kid version. Yeah. Growing up on Spider Man and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just you go in. I stopped. So like you prep yourself. Like you don't. Like you stop watching the trailers. You stop. Like mm -hmm. you kind of go in cold, not knowing what's going to happen. So you're not. Because I've ruined movies before where I I've overly analyzed trailers and watched all the news coverage, and yep. then you go in, you hate it because you knew. I mean, because you looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the moments that were going to happen. <laughs> Um, but I, I definitely enjoy uh, 
the popcorn the popcorn movies on oh, occasion. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, I think, you know, you take something like big budget action movie can just surprise the hell out of you. And I think about Mad Max Fury Road. Mm-hmm. I have seen that movie probably eight times. Mm-hmm. And I like four of those times, it was literally one of those moments of like walking <laughs> out of the theater like, do you guys want to go back and see another one? Do you want to watch it again? Because that was goddamn amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, George Miller, who's like 80 years old, yeah, it's a, who's just still has like a million tricks up his com- Coming off of Happy Feet or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dancing penguins, and then I'm going to have a guy with like a guitar that spouts fire. Yeah, yeah. All right, I've, true, seen, I've only seen that movie twice. i got to catch up oh, on that. But no, it. it's good. So good. I'll go watch it now if you want to. Yeah, right, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Um... I don't know what we were talking about there, but... Oh, we are talking about... <laughs> we're, um, we're on writing at some point, but... Writing and also, like, just movies, and, like, at what point, like, did you start watching movies differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think it was, like, high school. Well, I don't know. Did you have kind of, like, a cultural awakening at some point, you know, where, you know, you went from... Where you started kind of exploring, like, oh, who are the the artists that I really like? Or, you know, like, when you started, like, watching movies Mm -hmm. and you started wondering about coverage and things like that, you know, what kind of roads did that lead you down? I don't know if I had. Yeah? Okay, like, I, I was thinking about music. I think I was talking to somebody about music recently about, um, I have my favorite band, and I researched like who the band members were. Yeah. But like I, I only ever did it for one band. I didn't. I've never really done it for anybody else. So when I think about movies, it's kind of like Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of Marvel. I, I, I look into because I'm because it's my my dream is to direct a Marvel movie. Yeah. So I'm like, where do these directors come from? What did they make? What's their tone? How do they fit into their puzzle? And uh, I, I kind of investigate kind of that side of things. Uh, but I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know if. Uh, I don't. It sounds like you probably did it a lot, a lot more deeper than I have. But well, uh, I mean, not just with movies. I, like I, I feel like I need to do more homework. What's that's the fun part. I don't know. Like looking at like all the work out there. Like, I yeah. love that. You know, and there's yeah. thanks to the internet, there is no shortage. You can look at art all day, every day, and like never see the same thing twice. But when I was in. When I was like starting in like middle school, uh, a couple of my friends invited me to their church, and I hadn't gone to church as a kid, and so I started, I went for like three or four years, and uh, I had a great experience. Like, uh, it was, the people who ran it were fantastic. Okay. It was um, it was a Christian church, but they were pro LGBTQIA. Uh, they were uh, pro choice. You know, they they were very you know liberal church. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stopped going because I kind of just didn't buy it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so then it asked the question of like, well, what do I believe in? And so I got like into Buddhism, you know, and I was reading like, you know, the, um, you know, Jack Kerouac and I was reading Neil Cassidy and, uh, you know, started, you know, then it was like, okay, well, where else can this kind of like Eastern philosophy kind of take me? Mm-hmm. And then, it, you know, like that spewed into, you know, music and art and everything else. And I think I really wanted to solidify just what I believed uh, I needed some sort of bedrock in my life so if somebody comes up to you and asks you like hey what do you mm-hmm. what do you believe in like I have something that I can say yeah yeah um, and yeah that led me down to you know watching 
more complicated movies, movies on subjects or from places that I've never been to or maybe hadn't thought of before. Um, and they were always, the, the most rewarding part was always coming back. Watching a movie that was filmed in the 70s in uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the experiences that you know, these—it's a life I know, don't know, but they're still living things that I do know. Right, right. You know, like jealousy or anger, or hate or lust or whatever it happens to be. It's just like, oh yeah, I mean, we—that's communal. That's all. Yeah, of us. yeah, the human experience. Yeah, right? there's always something to pull. Pull. You can pull anything from. Yeah. 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 And that, that was that was a very unifying feel. I think <laughs> that like that was one of the, my yeah. bedrocks of like my belief structure is through art. Mm-hmm. Is just that like there there's nobody that's so far gone that you can't possibly understand them. Like we can all understand one another pretty well, and mm-hmm. it's not that hard. You usually just have to sit down with somebody one on one, and you sit and talk for a little while, and you can yeah. People people, but I mean from from what I've heard or or, or witnessed, people are very uh, what's prone to agreeableness. Is that no, not agreeable. When you put people together, there's this want of just wanting to get along with them. Yeah. Like it's just kind of some compatibility. It's just you just kind of need it. Yeah. You, you don't want to. You don't want to fight. We don't like that kind of stuff. We nah, just we just like it online, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, so when you, I was curious. I don't know. If this is podcast worthy, or if you want to talk about it. But you, it sounds like. You did a lot of research on trying to figure out what you believe in. Yeah. What do you believe in? What What, what did you discover through all that? I discovered um, first off, uh, I usually believe that anyone's feelings, or how about they feel about things that are larger than them, is their spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're a religious person or not, there's some level that on you that you know I think needs to think about things that are larger than you, be it just you know astrophysics. Or if it's you know some sort of messiah that you follow, and I, on some level, I do have to say that I'm agnostic, because, you know, you take something as large as like let's say the universe, mm-hmm. and I cannot describe half of the things that <laughs> that happen in the universe. It's hard to even so, fathom the universe. Exactly, yeah. and so to say like, oh, I understand exactly who God is, and here's what he looks like, and he's got a kid, and here's like all. Like, uh, I don't, yeah, okay, I don't think I believe any of that stuff. Uh, So there could be a God out there. I don't think there is, though. Mm -hmm. I really do kind of try to live my life uh, existentially. Uh, And I think Sartre, who wrote um, uh, primarily in the 1960s through the 80s, I think he had the best form of existentialism, or at least the, the, the thought that I grapple onto the most, which is that, yeah, life is meaningless. Like, you can do anything. You can do whatever you want to. But you have to make things important for you. Uh, so if building a house is important to you, that's great. Mm-hmm. You do that, and then you have to pump yourself up a little bit. Just like, I made this thing, and that's important to me, and so that makes, that makes my life good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those, that is really what I believe. I believe that you have to find the things in life that make you happy and do them for the fact that you like doing them. And hopefully you're not yeah. a, 
narcissist or a sociopath and no, you only no, care sure. about yourself and you know and you're caring about other people as well but you're doing you're building things you're making things or trying to help other people in some way like those are the, you go to sleep at night and you just you have a clear conscience and you mm -hmm. just feel good about that mm -hmm. so that is really what i believe okay yeah that reminds me wait let me i'm just going to pull it up really quick because yeah. i i don't know if you i don't know how, how on instagram you are but um I started reading a book today, actually, that speaks to what you were saying. Yeah, Sam Harris. I'm reading uh, Waking Up. Oh, okay. A Guide to Spirituality Without Religion. Yeah, nice. nice. <laughs> it was recommended to me, and I'm only 20 pages in, but it, it, the foundation of what he's saying is basically what you're saying. Yeah. It's like the, the, the thing about life is, the, yeah, trying to find that underlying through through ha the through line of happiness where you're kind of just like in in this happiness lifeness <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like by default you're already happy living the way that you live and you're kind of just taking things as they go yeah. and you're already in this like default coasting of of finding being being one with who you are and and something weird yeah. is that so I'm curious to to that, like it's kind of hold the breaking down of the ego and like all this kind of yeah. stuff. Of well, you know, it's going to hurt my brain at some point. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> I think about it a lot now too because I have two kids. I have an eight year old and a ten year old. Speaking of which, yeah, we are for listeners. We're we're shooting in your garage. My garage. And. If you hear anything coming up, like there's the running around. There's a lot of squeaking. Squeaky, there's squeaky a squeaky toy, toy, which I mean, they're not babe. Why do they have a squeaky toy, for God's sakes? Yeah, uh, that. But yeah, okay, so you have, you have children. I have children, and I they're my youngest, I'm sorry, my, my oldest, Nick, was fascinated by death at like three mm -hmm. and asked a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting when you're talking to a child. You know, there's these big heady ideas that grown-ups have, but then when yeah. you have to explain them to a child, you have to get very rudimentary. You have to really speak in, in basic language. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much experience with that, so that's... <laughs> but yeah, please go on. It well, sounds like a, a fun challenge, if anything. It, it, it really does force you to stretch, you know, your mm -hmm. uh, like idea of like what... Really solidify what a thing is. Mm -hmm. And one of the things... You know, I, I now I'm projecting down the road like, oh, we got maybe five more years, and then we'll be hitting with like the hard philosophy, you know, and <laughs> like, okay, now we got we got to read some Steinbeck. We're gonna read, uh, we're gonna read, uh, you know, my travels with Charlie. We're gonna read some Hemingway, and we're gonna read some Sylvia Plath. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, one of the things that I want to impress upon them is that society has a bunch of things set in place. It has it has a life. Uh, set up mm -hmm. for you if you want to take it. The idea is you grow up, you go to school, uh, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, you work, you retire, and then you die. Like that's, yeah, that's... And, and, and plenty of those are even optional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think I mean all of it's optional. Yeah, yeah. And there's but there is such a societal pressure to do all of those mm -hmm. things. You know, like I, uh, I'm in my 40s now, and I have friends who are also in their 40s who don't have kids. 
And I tr I do my best like not to bring up the stuff because I know there are so many people who mm -hmm. give that push. Just like, when are you gonna have kids? When are you gonna have? When are you gonna do the thing? And like, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Like I'm a father, and I'll tell you, not everyone should be a parent. <laughs> or, or or they even get bummed out because they did want, or they do, or it's not in the cards yeah. right now, or whatever the case may be. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, uh, it could be a touchy subject. But it's you know there's so many people that I've spoken with that, or just read about, you know, people who do all that. They don't really have an idea of what they're going to do mm -hmm. in life, and they feel like, oh, okay, well, I'm supposed to I grow up, and I got the job, and I got married, and I got a kid, and now I'm middle-aged, and I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. And I think it really, so much of it comes down to, like, well, you didn't take the time to figure out who you are. Who are the, what are the things that make your life good, mm -hmm. and are you doing those things? You know, like, you have to make yourself happy. Otherwise, you're just going to drag down everybody all around it's a, it's you. A tough, it's a tough thing. Like, I feel like that's kind of brought out a lot. Like, COVID, the COVID time, the lockdown brought that out. And a lot of people this yeah. year is you're not working or you're at home all the time, either by yourself or with the same people. Yeah. And you just have that, a lot of that just headspace of, of just, time to think yeah and people are like i don't want to go back to work or i don't or they they never stopped working to think about what they're even doing yeah. and now is the time to think and i don't i i i guess i think about it in terms of like we chose a creative outlet kind of path so we were searching for ourselves for purposes of like creative output early, yeah. like early on in, in the process. So we're actively seeking who we are to put it out in our art, but mm -hmm. most people are not that. So it's a, it's a weird thing to, I don't know. I don't know how to encourage society to, <laughs> to start going within, but it's a weird, it's a weird situation. It, it is, you know, I, the odd thing is too, I, I feel like so many people need to be, it feel as though they, they look at creativity like it's um, magical. Mm -hmm. uh, I It is weird. Creativity is weird. It is very weird. And I it's, don't know where stuff comes from. It just pops in your head and you like get this idea. And then all of a sudden you manifest it and you make it into a thing. But there, I remember I did a, um, a sketch show when I was like 20, 21. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it was at a theater, and then they were going to... So we did regular plays and things like that, and the plays were all written. And then the, the owners were like, oh, we're also going to do this sketch show. So any of the actors, if you want to come over and you want to do on the sketch show, you can do that too. And so I was like, great. And so I started writing and acting, and I was telling the other actors, you should write. You should write your own stuff, because then you'll get on the show more. You get to act more. And they're literally... I mean, these are actors. These are creative people. And they said, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm not a writer. It's like... No, the only thing that makes a writer a writer is somebody who writes. Like, that's it. Like, if you put anything on paper, congratulations, you're a writer. Yeah. But I think a lot of people feel like they have to take classes or they have to do something mm -hmm. special in order to be a creative person. Yeah. So you really don't. Like, just... Well, that's, that's the whole industry in, in a nutshell, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's this mysticism that's laid over, laid over the whole process yeah. that, that scares people off before they even give it a shot or they don't. I don't know. Like, I, I don't... Oh, no, it's the absolute truth. I think, you know, that's funny. If you go back to, like, old world Hollywood, you know, like Jack Warner and, like, you know, mm -hmm. back in the day, 
that was, I think, what made them so much money. It was just like, ah, oh, the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. Like, we know what we're doing. You don't know. So just stay out and let yeah. us do the thing and then give us $20 and we'll yeah. show you a movie. Uh, where it's really, when it comes down to any creative pursuit, like any pursuit, like you can pick up the basics pretty fast. Usually, you know, if it's something that you care about, it becomes a craft and mm -hmm. then you get better and better at that craft and right, you never right. finish learning. You know, there's always something new. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, know, you should always try and be the, strive to be that perpetual student. Some, like you're always learning about new technique yeah, or something for sure. different. For sure. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the cool thing about being in film in, in the first place. It keeps it interesting is even when you do have all the tools, there's still a new story to apply it to. Yeah. New decisions to be made, new collaborations to kind of like, how is it working with this person? And like, it just, everything changes all the time. So even as good as you get, like, it's still, I could imagine, it's interesting forever. So this yeah. is kind of like a cool deal. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think what you said is exactly right, though. I think with the lockdown, mm -hmm. a lot of people are forced to, forced to like look inside. And I think people are trying a lot of new things that they hadn't tried before as well. And I think mm -hmm. that could really unlock a lot. And there is, does seem to be this strange uh, cicadan rhythm that mm -hmm. everyone is on. Like, everyone through, through the baking process. Everyone became a baker for like two months. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, everyone was like redecorating their place, you know? Like, everyone started doing, like, they were all in the same cycle of things. But I do think there's probably a lot more people, you know, somebody picked up that guitar that they had in the back of the closet that they just hadn't used forever, mm -hmm. you know? Or, yeah, like, just started writing down stories or drawing mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah, because I know you were... I mean, you didn't necessarily get any more time because of lockdown, right? <laughs> no. Because, yeah, you're, you, yeah, see, I don't know if you had any, any chance of taking advantage of any situation. It felt like, okay, how was it for you? We can just get, get the COVID, well, COVID story. I was working on a Disney Plus show. Right, which is awesome. Yeah, it was good. So, like, my first day was a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I went in, and we taped the show, and then the second day, they called me and said, uh, hey, listen, you know, you can come into work if you want to. We don't have an audience because I tell jokes in front of the audience. Mm. Like, we don't have an audience, so if you want to, you can come in, or, but you don't have to. And I said, I am not going to uh, because you guys have to pay me <laughs> under contract anyway. And then I called my best friend, and I was like, let's go get drunk. We're going to get day drunk. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't done that because I have kids. I haven't done that in 12 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went out and we went drinking and we joked about it. Like, oh, it's coronavirus day. Yay. And like, you know, we get to go have drinks. And then the next day was the exact same thing. Like, hey, we don't have an audience today. And then Sunday night got an email like, hey, we're shutting down production. Mm -hmm. And I feel like many other people, the first probably like three weeks to month were kind of awesome. They were kind of yeah. awesome because it's like you... Uh, most people want the world to stop for a little while so that mm -hmm. you can take care of, like, you have, like, this laundry list, like, in the back of your head of stuff you want to do. Sure, and sure. I, was, I mean, for me, it wasn't awesome. But, no. <laughs> no. But please, please. Well, I was in a very good place because, like, yeah. I, family, were very set. You yeah, know, yeah. we had investments. We were, like, we're, we're, we weren't, it wasn't a horrible fear for us. And also, the reality of... Uh, the pandemic hadn't yeah, come to still, light yet. It was very unknown. It was very unknown. There were some cases, you know, like in Washington, but that was kind of it, you know, and it was kind of more happening overseas. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember SARS and avian flu and all those, and, like, they ended up just being kind of blips on the radar mm -hmm. for, by and large, for, for where I lived. So I thought this was just going to be another one of those. And I was like, oh, we're, 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 it's a snow day for the next month, so great, yeah. I'm going to 
there are these books that I want to read, and there are these movies that I want to watch, and like there's this idea that I've had banging around in my head. I'm going to knock that out real quick. So I was super prolific in like the first month, and I think I wrote two pilots, uh, and <laughs> yeah, and then wrote like it's like some stand-up bits, and then much like everyone else, I think there was like the crash. Yeah, which just reality setting in. Reality kind of really setting in that like oh wow this. I am scared every time I go to buy groceries. And, like, I have to wipe them down with bleach, you know, before oh, right, I bring right. them into the I house. I remember you posted on Facebook about, like, yeah. hey, do I still need to be doing this? Or <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Because <laughs> that was the thing that was terrifying. It, the problem was getting worse and worse, and nobody had any answers. Mm-hmm. That was horrible. Because mm-hmm. I think many people thought, like, oh, you know, a couple weeks and we're back to work. And, and so now here we are, month seven or eight. And, yeah. you know, people are realizing, like, oh, even when they come out with a vaccine, we're probably still going to have to wear masks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. things are different now forever, potentially. All right. So Night of Shorts Night, um, we had a sound blip. So let me try to re- re-explain my version of Night of Shorts Night Yeah. for the people listening. I moved to L.A. Mm-hmm. November 2018. I was researching... Any possibilities of like free events to meet other filmmakers, like-minded people, start connecting and, uh, and start doing my thing. And Night of Shorts Night was, uh, was like this little wacky event. Like I, I remember seeing the, your, your, the, <laughs> the, 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 the banner that you make yeah. with, the, with the little shorts icon on it's, there it's bikini briefs in a tuxedo yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'm like what is this thing <laughs> but but i'm like i'm like all right cool sure what check it out see what happens yeah and uh yeah so i showed up and yeah it's always nice having a venue where you can just meet other like-minded folk and watch some shorts and the filmmakers are or usually there yeah i think most of them show up mm. but um I guess my, yeah, it's a night, you screen shorts, yep. people meet and mingle, and then get kicked out. That's, so. Yeah, there, <laughs> the place, <laughs> the place we held it at for the longest time, the parlor, was so strange because it was on Monday nights, mm-hmm. and for some reason they were so strict about kicking us out uh, at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And they, it, was a, it was a part sports bar, and so... <laughs> They would treat us as if we were like drunk, rowdy, like college basketball, like you know, fans or something like that. Everybody out! Like it's all these shrinking violet actor, like uh, artistic types that are like, "Why yeah. are you yelling so much? You don't yeah. need to. Just ask us to leave." And also, it was ten o'clock. Like all bars are open until two, except for this bar. It was it was a strange thing how it came about. Um, so I, uh, I had finished a short film, mm-hmm. and my two good friends, Dave and James Cadelia, uh, one is a DP and one's a director, and they had finished a short film. And kind of as a joke, Dave said, all right, where are we going to show these? And, uh, oh no, he said, we should show these like in a bar someplace. <laughs> and I thought, that's funny, I'll put 40% energy into this. And I went on, I don't remember if it was like Twitter or Facebook, and just said like, hey, does anybody know a bar where I can show some shorts? And a woman who's an actress friend of mine named Jeannie Taylor had said, oh, there's this great place on Melrose, and it's called, I think it was called The Sandlot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, all right. So I called him up and was like, hey, I want to show some short films. 
can I do that at your bar? And they said, yeah, we've got this back patio area and it's got its own mm -hmm. bar set up and like, you know, but you have to bring them on DVDs. Like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, no problem. So transferred them to DVDs and my wife and I, we got a babysitter and, you know, we invited a bunch of friends and the night of, we showed up to the sand lot and the doors are locked and the lights are out and nobody's answering their phone. Uh, I don't know why. To this day, I have no idea what happened. And now my friends are starting to show up, and I'm starting to panic. I'm like, well, what am I going to tell everybody? You know, for inexplicably, this place is closed. Like, we hadn't, we, we I double-checked. It was like, yeah, Monday night, 8 o'clock, we're going to be at this place. And so my good friend Allison and my wife um, uh, had said, hey, we'll go try and find another place. And honestly, I was kind of shitty. I was like, yeah, 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 fine, yeah. go ahead, go. Super skeptical. Yeah. Super skeptical. He's like, yeah, you're going to find a bar on Melrose that's going to let us show like our short films. Whatever. Two minutes later, I get a text. Hey, we found a place. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. So then I start ushering everybody like down the street. And it was this place called The Parlor. Mm -hmm. And when you walk in, it's this big open courtyard. And off to the right is one bar. And then off to the left is another bar that's kind of smaller and enclosed. And so they went in, and it doesn't hurt that uh, it was my friend Allison and my wife are both like super hot. Mm -hmm. So they went in and talked to the manager, and the manager was like, "Yeah, we'll open up this other bar, and we'll bring in a bartender for no, you." For and sure, for sure, that's always helpful. Versus versus the uh... <laughs> <laughs> or the, so, yeah, yeah, or us. We walk in, hey, <laughs> nobody's nobody's opening a bar for us, uh, but. You know, it was a month from the manager's point of view, it made perfect sense because it's Monday night, it's a slow night, nothing's going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this wasn't like football season or basketball season or anything like that. And so, and they were like, We've got 20 people who want to come drink. And the manager was like, Great, come on. Mm -hmm. So we, we filed in there, we showed the shorts, and about halfway through, that same manager came up to me and said, like, Hey, listen, this is pretty great. If you want to do this again, like, let me know. So then I sat down and I thought about it. I was like, okay, yeah. Like, there, at that point, I was getting really frustrated with uh, film festivals. Because mm -hmm. film festivals are mm -hmm. really expensive. Yeah, uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about film festivals. <laughs> there, there is kind of this promise that you're going to send your film there and it's going to get a great slot and it's going to be seen by people and then you'll be able to meet new people. And it, it a sure, lot of sure. times does not work out that way. You spend 65 bucks and you send a ton of information to a place, and then you wait three months, and then you never hear from them, or your thing gets rejected. Or even if you make it in, you, there's no guarantee as to when it's going to be shown. Mm -hmm. So it could be shown Tuesday at 1 o'clock. You know, in 1 a.m., 1 yeah. p.m.? Which one? Either one. <laughs> either are options. Yeah. And if, you're, you know, if it's out of town, if it's far away, just to get anybody to leave their house is difficult. Mm -hmm. So that is, I was dealing with that, and I thought, like, there should be a place where filmmakers can go mm -hmm. and just show their work, and we'll just, we'll talk afterwards. And it made sense being a stand-up comic, because that's how every comedy show, when you're starting off, works. You just go to a bar, and you say, hey, you know, if I bring a microphone and a speaker, can we do stand-up here, you know, next Tuesday? That's what every comic starts off doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this was the exact same thing. Like, I picked an off night, which is a Monday. So, like, you know, most bars, their hype nights are, like, Thursday through Sunday. Monday, nothing's going on. I was like, look, I'm going to – and I, I promoted it. I brought in people. Uh, and it ended up, like, becoming this thing that I really fell in love with. 
And thus it was born. And thus it was born. There was just this place where you would get together, and uh, it was the first Monday of every month. Mm-hmm. I would send out flyers. And, I and, would... and what year was this unofficial first one? Like, when, when was that? It was, it was May of 2017. Okay, okay. Um, and it's funny. If you look at our flyer, there's a little ticket that'll say, like, the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a series of numbers on the side, and that, that's the, the first date that we ever did it is in those numbers. Okay. Um, so I, was, I was digging through your Facebook to look for stuff, and uh, the early editions, like, they're even, like, Subtitled names for some yeah. of them was like Empire Strikes Back and yeah. A New Hope, and I'm like, wait, what? Like, what week is it? I, <laughs> oh. I, I was being very clever because yeah, like Empire Strikes Back, I think was I did it twice because it was I did it as uh, I think episode two, and mm-hmm. then I did it again as like episode five. Okay. So the second one we did and the fifth one we did was like a, like I was like oh, okay Empire Strikes Back because that was yeah. number five of the trilogy but it was also the second one that I watched that was oh, released right, right. so like it was convoluted mm-hmm. and then after a while it was like I'm just gonna number them yeah, yeah. so we started numbering them but it was uh, it was great because yeah like I would I got to watch short films I got to meet filmmakers mm-hmm. and then putting it together and hosting it like I'm a comic so like that's my wheelhouse that's just what I do. Uh, and then, but the best part yeah. was usually after the films, because we would get done around 9.15, and then at that point, everyone's had a couple of drinks, they've been sitting next to the person for, you know, for an hour or so, and we never showed that many shorts, like, that was the experimentation process, like, mm-hmm. if you show 10, do you show, like, two, like, how many do you show? Because the official start time of the event was typically eight? The doors would open at 8, okay. and then because it's Los Angeles, everyone got there at like 8.30. Yeah, yeah. So then we would start around 8.30, 8.45, and then I would show like, you know... Half an hour's worth or whatever. Showed about half an hour worth, and uh, and then after that, people got to mingle. And it was nice because mm-hmm. there's a lot of events that happen in Los Angeles that are networking events. But you just walk in, and you're just a person, and then there's a, a hundred yeah, other people who are yeah, just sitting no there. Yeah, there's no context, yeah. And you have to, yeah, you have to walk up, like, what do you do, and what are you here for? Like, oh, okay, cool. This way, it was like, oh, there's the actors, and there's the filmmaker, and they're right mm-hmm. over there, and, like, you, mm-hmm. you've seen their stuff, and, like, you can go talk to them, and they can talk to you. And the, the proudest moments I've had is when people have connected from Night of Shorts mm-hmm. Night and gone out to make their own thing, and it's happened four or five times now, and I've delighted every mm-hmm. time it warms, warms your heart warms my heart okay yeah i wanted to dig into because like, i used to back in reno like i was the yeah i ran the reno yeah. collective and I, i'm well aware of what it takes to corral people together and 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 kind of support other artists and you know prop them up and help them with some sort of step in their in their process and all that kind of stuff so i was curious as to he said May 2017. Yeah. So it almost made it three years. Yeah. yeah. Two and a half years. I don't. I don't know. It was. Yeah. It was. It was three years because our last show. Well, strangely, we had we had two last shows. <coughs> um, the manager who was working at the parlor, mm-hmm. he moved to Austin. And then the new managers that came in did not understand the Night of Shorts Night mm-hmm. at all. They mm-hmm. didn't get it. They looked at the poster. And <laughs> they <laughs> like, what is this? But they were a sports bar, and that's where they made all their money, sports bars. And so, uh, is that going to mess you up? Should I turn? Okay. It's fine. 
they made their money, you know, it was a sports bar, and that's where they made their money, and so these artists coming in once a month to show their shorts, it was like, it was just a headache for them, so yeah. they, just, they didn't yeah. want to do it anymore. So we had our last show in January. Uh, no, our last show was in uh, December, and then at that point we'd been running for, like, you know, about two and a half years, Yeah. Um, and... I was like, okay, I'm just going to let it go. You know, we had a good run. It was a couple of years. I met a lot of great people. That's fine. We're finished. And then one of the guys who attended Night of Shorts Night said, hey, a buddy of mine just bought a bar. Do you want to maybe do it over there? And I was like, oh, I'll go talk to the guy. And I went, and the bar was beautiful. It's this place called Night Night Bar. So mm -hmm. it worked with the name theme as well, Night of Shorts Night at Night Night Bar. I'm like, that's mm. great. Mm. Um it was downtown. It was a really cool space. And we did, uh, so I talked to the guy, and he was into it. He loved it. And so we, we did two shows. We did a show in January and a show in February. Mm. Uh, they went off really well. I was so happy. I don't feel like I made it out to those ones. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, well, you know what? I had posted a whole bunch of things saying the show was over. And I yeah, said goodbye to everybody. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then these two shows popped up. And I was like, I guess we're going to do it here now? Because yeah. I was ready to just wash my hands of it. Just yeah, leave yeah, it yeah. yeah. But it found this new life. And so we did two shows there. It was terrific. And then the lockdown happened. So, and same thing. And then I missed a month. It was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think March, we didn't do anything. Um, and, yeah, there was that same decision, too. I was like, well, can I do the show online? Right, right. And some people were trying to do that. Watching stuff via Zoom when you're on the call, it's like, it's Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird process. It's a very strange process. But before we jump into that yeah. and, and the evolution through lockdown, I am curious about... All right. I want to I get, a, get a, a sense of where the fulfillment came in. Because like, you, you kind of hinted at the fact of like when people got to meet together and, yeah. and, and meeting other filmmakers is cool, of course. But like... My one experience putting putting up a short there was probably my least favorite time at the at the thing. Yeah, I much preferred because I made the mistake of inviting friends to the to the event. I feel like that was a mistake. Really? Yes, <laughs> because I was stuck entertaining the people I asked to come out, and I didn't get a chance to meet anybody new, oh, even though my thing I had see. screened. So I used it as an excuse to hang out. Yeah. And it was cool seeing people, but then I was like, "Oh, I just saw the same people I already knew, and I showed it." Like, it, it, so I usually get more more enjoyment just going there to watch and, and having no pressure of, of, of yeah, like I'm just here by myself or whatever the case may be. But that was my that was my that was like a weird thing to yeah. to. That's funny. So so then <laughs> so then when I think about you as a host, like I know that you would always make a good effort of coming to say hi. You'll say a couple of things that. Make sure that I know that you've been keeping up. You're like, oh, how's the thing going? And I'm like, oh, my sweet, he he knows who I am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's keeping up. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so that was always very much appreciated. But then, of course, you got to get back to your thing and talk to this other person that came in. So I don't know. Like in the, I wanted to talk about a couple of things. One yeah. thing was how many shorts you're being sent. Mm -hmm. How that process is watching all the stuff, 
selecting and and co coordinating with the filmmakers to make sure they're going to be there. Yeah. And then actually like gathering like the nitty gritty of like getting the files. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and then and then being there hosting and how I, like I'm always curious about how you feel at the end of the night. Like is it like that, that all that kind of stuff. It's very interesting to well, me. Well, I'll take it through like the 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 nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Uh, and it did evolve over time. The thing that was so difficult first off the computer at the parlor, <laughs> it was like a Dell computer from like 1994. It was just the worst computer, <laughs> terrible setup. And so at first we were burning DVDs and like that took forever. And then we realized like, no, we can actually put through, like just stick a thumb drive in and we can actually watch it that way. Um, and I was very fortunate because I got a partner, James Cadelia. Mm -hmm. uh, he was able to take care of a lot of the technical stuff. So people would still send me files. And luckily, you know, what, Facebook started in, I think, 2006 or 2008, something like that. So at this point, people are fairly tech-savvy when it comes to, like, sending videos. Yeah, especially people in the film industry. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so getting the videos was never too big a problem. What I started doing fairly early on that I think now is really picking up some steam is I just went back to email lists. Like, I just knew a bunch of filmmakers, and I knew a bunch of actors, and so just, I tried not to bother anybody. I didn't want to send a bunch of emails, but I just sent emails, and then I put it out on Facebook and on Instagram and Twitter, and just said, like, hey, send me your videos if you want to, if you want to see mm -hmm. something. And <laughs> people are... If you want to see something, or if you want to get it screened. If you or, want to get it screened, yeah. if, you know, if you want to have it shown someplace. Yeah. Uh, and uh, people were, like, at first, really, really... They were convinced that I was going to screw them over somehow. Like there's, there was that pro. Usually, getting to know like a new filmmaker was pretty tough, because they thought that I was going to steal their work. Some people had had like you know had in the past people had stolen their work. They were really skittish, so it, it was an over explanation. You like mm -hmm. no, no, this is a free show. The audience comes in for free. You guys, and then people always wonder, well, how do you make money? Like, oh, I don't make any money. Like there's no money in this. Like I just and then get they're to like I don't, I don't I don't get it. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that that was people's thing. Like why are you doing it then? It was like because I get to meet people and like we get to watch shorts. Like that's it's a fun night. Like mm -hmm. that's why you do it. So there was like getting that, <laughs> and then I I did find really early on it was like ninety five percent of the people sending me stuff were all white dudes, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so like to be more inclusive, like I found out I really had to like go out and find people. Like so, if somebody posted like a video, I would go. I would go after them and be like, "Hey, listen, I got this thing. Do you want to show it?" And yeah, the thing yeah, that became yeah. the hardest was like getting women then, because there's a guy approaching somebody on the internet and be mm -hmm. like, "Hey, do you want to show your thing?" All of them were convinced. I just wanted to have sex with them, and it took so long mm -hmm. to like, "No, I, this is I'm married. I got a wife. I'm, I'm happy." Mm -hmm. uh, it took so long to convince people. Like, no, this is. We're yeah. just showing this for fun. There's definitely an art to that side of things. With mm -hmm. uh, I don't know because I, I never, I don't feel like I ever had that issue. It's like a weird. <laughs> I was gonna say um, I spent a lot of time, let's say in college, yeah. practicing how to talk to women, <laughs> <laughs> and like I, I wanted because like all through high school and stuff, like I just I just couldn't talk to to girls at all. Yeah. And then I'm like, you know, I just want to be the type of guy that can talk to a girl and it just be like a normal thing. Like that was like a goal of mine for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And then like through, I don't know, different college club, like like running club and kind of stuff like that. Yeah. I would, I, I kind of developed a like, oh yeah, like 
we run. All right, sweet. I have game nights, and you can invite. Like it's just it felt natural progressions to like. All right, I can invite you over. Yeah. It's not weird. And then I just yeah, it translates to the film stuff too. Like getting, getting, because like there has there is that. It takes an effort to diversify. Let's just say even your crew and cast. Like yeah. it, it, that's an that's an effort. Otherwise, you get the defaults, which like, straight white dude. It's just. All the dudes. It's so many dudes. <laughs> so many dudes. So, yeah. So I guess did did you have much success with uh, with with getting better at that? Or I finally that did. Yeah. Like the the longer we did it, and when somebody was able to go someplace and actually see pictures and see yeah, like, oh, this is a thing. Like this isn't just some creepy guy. Like come over to my basement. You know. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an actual. So that be, the longer we did it, the easier it became. Yeah. And then. And also, you know, especially filmmakers who've been here for a while, like, they would talk to their friends. And it's like, then their friends would, you know, can I pass this information along? I was like, absolutely, sure. Mm-hmm. And then so people would contact me that way. But it was, it's always been me chasing down shorts. Because mm-hmm. I would get, for each month, probably 10 to 15 mm-hmm. Uh, submissions because again because again you're screening depending on length like maybe five to seven shorts yeah so then and what's hard is yeah you needed to be a certain length you know if they were over 15 minutes they were killers like that was really my cutoff mm-hmm. you know some there was a few exceptions I there was a woman named um, uh, Carolyn Hayes I showed her short and it was like 21 minutes because it was meant to be a pilot and I was really on the fence but it was very good so I'm like all right cool we'll do that one but yeah, it's what is tough is like you needed shorts that were very short, at least semi-technically proficient, and uh, not horribly offensive. <laughs> and now my yeah. whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. when we first started, just, just a little offensive. A little offensive. It's not that. It's got to be a little offensive. Uh, but when we first started doing it, I wanted to, I wanted to invite everybody. Mm-hmm. I was like, let's invite everybody, and if your short sucks, then it should be shown. And you should know, because that's when you realize it sucks. It's a learning experience. Very yeah. much so. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've had the experience where you've edited something so much, you can't tell one frame from the next, and you're no, thinking, like, sure. oh, it's all done. And then you have somebody over your shoulder watching it with you, and then that's when you see all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, well, this is too long, or I should have added music here. Like, this is stupid. What am I thinking? So that's the kind of experience that I wanted mm-hmm. from people. Like, come watch your thing, and then you will really see mm-hmm. in front of a live audience. That's how you learn. What's funny? What's too long? What's yeah. sad? Yeah, it always felt like a. It's like a nice kind of like safe space mm-hmm. environment. It's kind of how I. I mean, that's good. That's that, what I was hoping. Yeah, that's what you're trying to curate, right? That's what, yeah. absolutely what I was yeah, trying yeah. to curate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so, um, but uh, yeah, some people would you know, it, it got to the point I wanted to grow the audience, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it took James, my partner, to say, he's like, well, you have to show better shorts then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh, all right, fine. Because, I mean, literally, there was some shorts that we were showing, mm-hmm. you know, somebody had shot, like, on their flip phone or something. It was mm-hmm. like, that's that's good that they're making stuff, but we need, to, we need to have a certain level that people come to expect when they come out. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, yeah. and that would increase, like, the, like, people returning for the next month. Like, the, re- the retention, I guess, mm-hmm. would be better if... If you had to sit through like if, three horrible ones, you're well, like, well, I'm not gonna come yeah, to this. If, if, because again, like me, I was there to meet the filmmaker. I didn't even really care what was being shown. I'm yeah. like, sweet, there's people here to talk to. Cool. <laughs> but <laughs> I was gonna say, but Spencer Whitesell is a guy who who shows. Uh, yeah, he has yeah. a series called Halloweeners, 
And uh, he would always say, like, the first half hour was the absolute worst because you come in and nobody knows anybody. And then you watch the shorts, that's pretty good. And then the last bit was, like, that's why people came because the last, like, half hour, 45 minutes was now we're done with the shorts. Everyone's just drinking, yeah. hanging out, and then you get to go meet the people who made that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the most fun. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, if the objective... Because I guess the idea would be you want people to enter, be entertained. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, everybody wants their short to be entertaining, sure. but yeah. Because I guess the other thing would be, like, if if the short were at a certain, a certain production value, then by default, it's kind of like... It might have more hands in the production too, and that by default would bring more people yeah. to the thing. So kind of like it's like a self fulfilling. Yeah, too, very but. much so. But I also wanted. To, I mean, I I still think this. There should be a place where you know performers can get together and they don't get gouged for it. You know, like a lot of so much of the film industry passes the money along to you know the people who are at the bottom. Like, mm -hmm. actors and the filmmakers end up having to pay through the nose in order for, like, the Santa Monica Film Festival to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you get into the arts and you realize, like, there's not a ton of money in it a lot of times, especially when you're starting at the bottom. And it's like, there should be a place where we just all get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll show yeah. each other shorts and then we'll have a couple of beers and I get to know you. Yeah, it's nice and approachable. Yeah, versus, exactly. Versus, the, again, the, the, what do we, how did I describe it earlier? Like, there's this veneer of, just the Hollywood, the Hollywood dazzle and, yeah. and and show where it's like no 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 like this is real we're all we're all real we're all making stuff we're, we're all just making stuff we're just getting better yeah. at our craft man and uh, but I do have to say like corralling the filmmakers at times was <laughs> exceedingly difficult <laughs> because a lot of them are, are artists you know and they work on their own schedule and like I will send them an email on a Monday and it's like hey can you want to show your thing next week and then you know. Five days later, I'm sending multiple emails and texts like, did you get anything? Did you, are you going to be there? Are you going to show up? Mm -hmm. um, but like, by and large, it was an absolute blast. Like, I, I loved it. But then you know, it was up to me. Like, I was also the, the graphic designer, so I had to come up with like, the, uh, the, uh, the car and the information. So I changed that every month, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would send that out. And then I, I, wanted, I needed you know, to document it more. Uh, and so then I, I started bringing my camera, and yeah, so I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll take photographs as well. And I brought my you know high end, my nice looking camera, got some really good pictures, showed everyone just having a good time, and like that was another thing I did. And then I also wanted to do like a giveaway, right? And so <laughs> I think you were probably there pre before that because the transition happened I think later. But I wanted to do giveaways, and I, th I thought a funny giveaway was giving away DVDs. Mm -hmm. I'm in SAG, and so you get the screener DVDs, and it's the DVDs are like, you know, most people are throwing them out at this point, so I thought it was funny to give them out. Yeah, yeah. And you can get them at the store for like a dollar. Yeah, you're giving away those bargain bin kind of. Yeah. Or, yeah, it was a very, very, there was like maybe, I guess whenever I would see the prizes, like there's probably maybe one that I'm like, oh, sweet, I have a Blu-ray player, and like I, I mean, I'll probably watch that if I yeah. if I want it. But yeah. the other ones are like it's just like a joke gift. So yeah. Well, I contacted Warner Brothers. Contacted Warner Brothers. Um, oh, I contacted three different places. Or I contacted five places, and then three places ended up just sending me stuff. Warner Brothers sent me a huge box. 
And they asked me to. They said, do you want like newer movies or older movies? And I was like, I, whatever you want to send me, that's fine. And they sent me like Laurel and Hardy movies and like Buster Keaton movies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. And they just these weird like hodgepodge of like B movies that never made it like back in the 50s. Mm-hmm. I was like, great, okay, we're going to give these away. Uh, and some people, like, it really surprised me. They got super excited over, like, Laurel and Hardy. Great, this is yeah. this is for you, man. People don't often have a chance to win something. Yeah, so. and I think Warner Brothers was excited because <laughs> they got to, like, clear out their garage. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, like, yeah. send the DVDs, get rid of them. Yeah, yeah this guy. Uh, but, yeah, it, just, it was so much fun. And, yeah, getting to know mm-hmm. people was, that was the absolute best part of it. Not, not to pick favorites or anything, um, but I'm going to ask you to pick a favorite. Okay. <laughs> There was what? a young visionary filmmaker named Eddie oh, please. Virgil. Oh, please. And Virgil. He touched me. <laughs> Oi. <laughs> so, it's like when you talk about the, the higher production value stuff, or, or maybe even something that you were a fan of the filmmaker, yeah. and you were stoked to get them in the room, like... Is there anybody that stands out you want to give a shout out to? From like, it was sweet to get this short lined up. And, yeah, and, yeah, I will. I mentioned him already, but uh, Spencer Whitesell, mm. uh, he does a series called Halloweeners. Check it out; it's on YouTube. They start off when he originally did it. I think it was the episodes were like five minutes, and then they slowly ramped up. And I think they did a full half hour version. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then they started doing these really bite-sized ones that were like sixty seconds long. So like he's really played with it. But it's him, Megan Lewis, and Charlie Sanchez, like, like the three main characters, and all of them are just terrific actors, mm-hmm. and they're terrific improvisers. And you can tell they they just legitimately like each other. They they have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, really, really shot well. The DP's name is Tristan, and I can't think of his last name. Save my life. But he's he's really good filmmaker. Spencer writes and edits everything as well. Mm-hmm. He does such a great job, and so, and what's more is he's just the sweetest guy too. He's really, really yeah, nice. yeah. Because I mean, I've because I've worked with Spencer a couple of times, yeah. and that's yeah, we met we met at the night of night of shorts yeah. night. Yeah, no, for sure, Spencer's awesome. Spencer's Shout out, awesome. Shout out to Shout Spencer, out Spencer and the team. Um, uh, so okay, did you? How did? So was he one that you had to kind of like hound down and be like, yo, this is a thing I want to... Because I know when I I first showed up, you were like in the middle of some sort of spanning. Like you were screening all the episodes, like one episode a month. Yeah. So I don't know if if that was like pitched to him. You're like, yo, I like your series or yo, what's going... I don't know. I don't know if you say well, yo. (laughs) I say yo all the time. (laughs) Yo, is this cool, yo? Right up, fam. Uh, So... Uh, no, I went to him, and he had sent me, I believe he had just, he found me on social media somehow. Okay. And he sent me the first one, and I loved it. I was like, this is hilarious. And it was literally, it's two guys talking in a room. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Yeah. And I think it was five shots. That was it. So funny, and the guys were so good, and it's really well done. And he's like, yeah, I have this web series. And I watched the first one, and I fell out. And I was like, how many more of these do you have? And he's like, I, we have like seven right now. And I was like all right, can I show one each month? And he was like mm-hmm. beside himself. He's like, yes, great. That sounds terrific. So, and then I got to meet him and he was, you know, fantastic. So there, there have been a couple of like that. We did, there was another great series. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Amy Vorpal and uh, Shireen Najafi. Yeah, Shireen Najafi. Uh, they did a, um, uh, a series called Untidy. That was kind of making free, free, making fun of uh, Marie Kondo mm. and like cleaning. Mm. 
and it was this couple, and they invite this woman to like help them declutter their life, and both of them were just hilarious, really, really funny. I'd known Amy for a long time before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shireen, I didn't know at all, though. But like, I was able to bring them on. They were terrific. Um, uh, and then, you know, other like yourself as well. You know, like I no, honestly, like I find you, you and I, I feel like are cut from the same cloth, mm-hmm. just because. I, you know, putting together the Reno Film Collective, like that's that's not nothing. You no, know, no, like, for sure, for sure. Like I think being like being those people who walk into a space and realize like something's missing. Like okay, we should all be get together. So I'll do that. Mm-hmm. You know, right, being right, a community right. organizer, it takes yeah. a ton of work, no, but it's I, super rewarding. No, I I agree with the cut from the same cloth there. That's why I like you so much. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I guess I, I was worried. Yeah, I. The short film that I screen, I'm like, don't bring up that short film, please. <laughs> Why not? That was before. I'm just kidding. No, it's it, not. It, no, it's a fine. I, I screened my my short Schrodinger's Nostalgia, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that wasn't okay. I was just whatever. <laughs> I had made plenty of stuff after that that like wasn't done or whatever. So that was the most recent thing that was completed. So I'm like, yeah. all right, so you can screen this one, even though it's. Well, I thought it was great. Yeah, it was it's good. good. It's good. And it's the same good. thing. Like it was. I think you were really smart about it too. And this, that was the thing that I have found. I don't know if it's this generation of filmmakers or if it's kind of always been there, but you find that the best filmmakers or the most effective filmmakers are the ones who typically kind of look around themselves first. Like, what do we have? Mm-hmm. All right, we have this stuff. Okay, well then let's make a story with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get it done. If you want to get it done, exactly. And you have like that was a really smart mm-hmm. short because it was it's three guys sitting around a poker table, mm-hmm. you know, and it's talking, and then you were able to play with a lot of the elements in it. So it was like, all right, cool, I get I get this guy. Yeah, yeah, and that one, I guess, to talk about that short a tiny bit, that one for me was one of the first times that I directed somebody else's writing too. Like I didn't write that short. And then it was my first time working with a production designer too. Like I wanted oh, really? I wanted to incorporate like in the in the zero budget world it's hard to land a production designer to yes. get a whole room designed for you. But I mean, this was in Reno still. And I met this awesome uh, awesome young gal, Hannah, Hannah Sprawl at the time. I don't know if she's Hannah Spall anymore. Sorry, Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And that was that was cool having a having a production designer for the first time. Like that room, like we're playing as a basement, kind of like the classic basement bro guy guy hang spot, and we we redecorated like this little den nook into this this whole space. So. We actually built the space, like for the first time, and I was like, "The sweet, this is cool." Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was more, for me, it's more about all the pieces coming together and like working with a couple of new actors for the first time, giving an actor that I, I'm a big fan of a shot at the at the main character. Like all that stuff plays into it for me is is the the fun stuff. Yeah. The actual short itself, I'm like it's not, it's not technically the 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 eddiness that I'm trying to put forward these days. But it's, whatever. Well, no, I mean, whatever. I think that, cool. that's one of the tough things about you know being. Being a craftsman uh, is the fact that you know that like whatever you've just made, mm-hmm. you will hate eventually because it's you're gonna learn something new. You're gonna. I mean, I don't. Like, I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, don't hate my it. my hatred runs deep for my stuff then. Because yeah. yeah, like whenever I make something, I'm like, oh, I'm in love with it for a day, 
And then I start watching it. And I'm like, ah, oh, I should have done that. And mm -hmm. I think, knowing what I know now, I would mm -hmm. go back and change these things. And like, I think that just comes from like you're honing your craft. You're always finding yeah, something yeah. new or something like you can improve upon. Yeah, growing, growing too fast, too quickly, and then you give it six months. You're like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I learned a lot of new tricks since that last one. Exactly. And correction on myself right now, Hannah Sproul is now Hannah Knapp. Hey, congratulations, so, Hannah. Yes, congrats. All right. <laughs> Great. Cool. Any other I mean, highlights on the... Yeah, there was, You know, there, there was a bunch... You, the most fun thing about doing the Night of Shorts Night is, you know, I, was, I watched so many shorts. Mm -hmm. I watched an incredible amount of short films. Uh, and learned so much just yeah. by watching. Yeah, it's them. an educational process. One hundred percent. And there were still people who you could tell had no money, but still producing incredible work. And I had had a really bad experience with a guy uh, I owned a production company with, mm. and he never wanted to film anything unless he could bring it like a two-ton grip truck, mm -hmm. and you know had all of like the special lights and dolly tracks and like he wanted all of these toys and i was like we don't need all the toys and you really don't to make a good film you don't need a lot of stuff you need a halfway decent camera you need some recording equipment you need good actors and a rad story mm -hmm. that's really it it's kind of all you need yeah uh so I saw that time and time again. I was just so inspired by some of these stuff that was coming in because you could tell like a lot of these people had no money, but they were still cranking out rad stuff. Yeah, it gets the creative juices flowing for Very sure. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, a lot of times you get to meet them. And by and large, most people were pretty cool. Most people were, were pretty happy and kind of forthright, you know, and were excited to kind of do it. You did get the errant person who was very... They, you could tell that they were doing me a favor by showing their shorts, mm. and it was like, mm. "All right, guy, I get you. You enjoy the bar." Oh, shucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But by and large, everyone was super. Everyone, we had a terrific time. Great. Um, I was gonna look at my. Li I have a list of stuff to talk about, but let's go into where it is now. Like, like you said, there's this weird evolutionary phase, which I feel like I kind of. It kind of grew into it almost naturally because of the state of the parlor in general. Like yeah. you, you lost the main space that you had for the years, got this new spot kind of out of nowhere, mm -hmm. but then lockdown, and then now it's like, all right, how does how does you, you were talking about it? How does this yeah. continue? Is it virtual? Like what's going on? Well, yeah, am I going to show shorts? And I didn't want to program and show shorts online via Zoom because I was like, that's nobody's going to like that. I wouldn't watch that. So. Uh, then I was like, okay, well, what if it becomes like a reading thing? Mm -hmm. So now, you know, we still get to bring together the actors. We have writers who probably want their stuff performed, but they, you know, maybe don't have access. Um, and so then it, it became the Night of Shorts Night, short reading night. Mm -hmm. So now it's, you know, like I, I collect the scripts from people and we do four. So it's, you know, the whole thing is about 45 minutes long. It's mm -hmm. a much shorter night. Um, and we get together via Zoom, and I try and run it less like a Zoom meeting and more like a show. Mm -hmm. So I will, you know, I'll do like a little bit of stand up beforehand. I wear a crazy outfit, and um, and then do a big introduction to each one of the to the writers, mm -hmm. and then we'll go into the reading itself. Uh, so it's it has been a lot of fun. It's been terrific. 
excuse me, I think naturally we all want to get back into the bar. But oh, for sure, for, for what sure. we got right now, like it's, it's it still keeps the community together. So it's it's transitioned from supporting. I mean, it's it almost supports in a way a different crowd too. Mm -hmm. Like before, it was the filmmaker, producer, director, kind of that kind of person showing off the short, the completed project. Yeah. Now it's a writer submitting the writing, and then actors are being assigned roles of that. To be performed as the entertainment. Correct. Yeah. Um, how? How does that work? <laughs> so, are are do you do you hit up like, hey, these are the like, cause you know, the scripts you're gonna go into the night with ahead of time, yeah. and do you set up specific like a cast of actors that read out all of them, or do you have different like, how does that play? Uh, so yeah, like middle of the month, I'll send out an email. And then kind of blast like on social media, like, hey, I'm looking for scripts. And then they usually come in pretty fast. Um, and we only have four, so it's not mm -hmm. a lot of slots. So I get those pretty quick. Uh, and then I'll go through and I read everything. And then I'll just, at this point, I mean, I've been in L.A. for 15 years now. Mm -hmm. And I just know a million actors. And yeah, right, right, the right. The nice thing as well, I will say about the lockdown, is I'm no longer relegated to just LA actors. Like mm. I know people in San Francisco, people in New York, people in Chicago. It's like, well, now they can participate too if they want. There's a woman who shows up regularly every month. She's in London. Mm. And every month she stays up till four in the morning and goes from four to like 5 a.m. and watches Night of Shorts. And Taz, bless your <laughs> hearts. Thank you so much. Nice. Uh, she's rad. Uh, but yeah, I will reach out to the actors, and like I said, you know, like so many actors at this point are mm -hmm. just sitting around waiting. They want to perform, you know. They yeah. want to do this, so they're so. Jumping so, at this. so do you collect actors for each script, or is it that night, like, or that uh, night? Yeah, it's it's sometimes there. There's a lot of hand motion. I do a lot of this first <laughs> off, and then it's uh, I. There will be some specialty people that I'll get for certain scripts, mm -hmm. but chances are, if you're reading in one, I'm probably going to stick you in a couple of others. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. sometimes you have, um, uh, sometimes you have like really specific people. Like you know, we had uh, there was two scripts that we had that had trans people in them, mm -hmm. and I realized like my own limitations. Like I don't know a lot of trans people in general, and I certainly don't know a lot of trans performers. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I know some people in that community, so I can reach out to them. And it's like, so, like, those people, I had to get, like, very specific. But then having said that, I'm happy to, like, well, do you want to just read some other parts, too? You want to be, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, cashier? No, or, for sure, or, like, for Greg? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's also been really interesting as well. It's just, like, kind of expanding the pool of, like, of performers that I know. Yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, and it's great when it comes to, you know, my own projects. Now, I'm like, I have so many different mm -hmm. people to pull mm -hmm. from oh my gosh mm -hmm. there's a ton of ton of folks talented folks just kind of laying around yeah so is that is it still ongoing is that still mm -hmm. all right it's still ongoing and because i've gotten into audio dramas i've been playing around with the i've playing around with the two different ideas one doing an audio dramas night uh where people would send me like short audio dramas and then we would play them because mm -hmm. I think just listening to audio on Zoom is a lot less taxing than having video. So the idea mm -hmm. is like you would come onto a Zoom meeting, but you would keep your video off. And then you could... You're just saying on a bandwidth sense is what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, just in general, I think from a stress level, 
I think, you know, when you go onto a Zoom meeting, you got, where does your place look like? Is it clean behind me? Okay. How do I look? Okay. Am I all right? You know, and then you're staring at somebody who's staring at your face. And you're, there's this moment of like, are we supposed to talk now? Or do we have to make <laughs> jokes? Or what do, do we just keep staring? Can I just, I'm also working on my computer mm -hmm. while this is going, just so mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and I think if you're if you have your video off, I think it's just a lot less stressful. So then the idea being that I would then introduce mm -hmm. and we would play uh, a, yeah, like my, four of these audio dramas. My only issue with the video off scenario, I don't know, it's probably not an issue, but like there isn't there isn't the pressure of being present. Yeah, being present. Yeah, and you don't know if people are watching. Like it's a weird. It's like, are you guys listening or yeah. like that kind of thing? But well, my hope is, yeah, by keeping the audio on, you could hear people laugh or people, you know, oh, gotcha, clap gotcha. or something okay. like that. So All you right. can still hear the audience in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing that I've been working on for the last three months is doing a live show. Uh, so the night of shorts night, but it would be outdoors. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a projector. Yeah, I think and... you told me a little bit about it. Yeah, one time. yeah. But it would be very specific. It'd be like invitation only. Mm -hmm. You know, I would invite like, <laughs> oh, you're Fingers you're on crossed. the list. Uh, but it would be. I mean, like, I have a friend's backyard, but his backyard is you know it's a good size, but it's not that big. And if yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. is six feet apart from everyone else. Then it becomes much smaller, much faster. Fit, yeah, seven so, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you have like six different households sure. you can get there, and then that's kind of it. So I'm trying to figure out how I can do that on a larger scale, but I want everyone to be safe mm -hmm. and take it seriously. So then that way people can have like their own plots that they're hanging out in. And yeah, so we're doing that right now. And but yeah, I mean, I, I miss the community so much. I miss a lot of the people. But luckily, you know, we. Yeah, no, it's cool. You're still finding finding ways to get some sort of collaboration process going in there, and still getting the monthly. Like that's that's cool that you're you're evolving with the times, and hopefully we can. Be, gotta, yeah. gotta adapt. No, for sure. Um, I don't know when you were was that a. <laughs> that was that was a small child being murdered. Don't worry. Um, I, Mark Duplass. Yes. He did like a free like hour Zoom thing this one time talking about writing during this this these uncertain times, and uh, he was talking about like a thing that he was doing, and it reminds me kind of what of what you're doing. He was making this like daily goal for himself that I don't I don't feel like it'd be something that I would do, but I'm kind of inspired by anyway. It was like each day he would. His plan was writing, I think he was writing just like prose. Like each day he was just going to like write a certain number of words or whatever the thing was. And once he reached a certain amount, he's like, all right, sweet. Now I'm going to turn that into the audio play. And then we're going to get people together. We're going to make that. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to write a script out of that. Wow. And then I'm going to take the script and then I can make a movie out of that. And then, so he's like thinking about... His curiosity is the evolution of story from this form into this form into this form and yeah. then into this form. And, and he's curious to see how the evolution of it goes. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, now's a good time to write and now's a good time to make the audio and then later on I can do this other thing too. Yeah. So it, it, it hopefully it'd be a natural progression for him to to make that. But but I was like, sweet, like that. I like the idea of doing the audio and you're doing it. So I'm curious to, to kind of yeah, see, see how that how, how that goes. Well, what was odd too is you know I, 
I stumbled onto what turns out to be like a pretty vibrant community. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. I've met collectives now in LA, in Chicago, in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. it's these groups of people who get together, and it's you know groups of writers and groups of actors, and you go to some of their websites, and they've got so much. So much content, like it's mm. amazing. Like mm. how many, like because they'll, they'll have multiple serial lines, and then they'll have some kind of like one-offs that they do. And, and this is this is all audio, all based. audio, okay. just audio. Yeah, and you know some of it is like you know kind of the old timey, you know Sherlock Holmesy mm-hmm. kind of stuff, and then some of it's more modern. So it's it's a real wealth of like people that are out there. I mean, it's not surprising because I mean podcasters are as popular as they are. Uh, but uh, you know, audio <laughs> yeah. plays as well. Like they're alive and well. No, it's cool. Sure. Yeah, because I, I think about all the actors that I that I come across on Instagram and stuff, and a lot of actors, actors slash voiceover artists or whatever. However, how would you describe it? A voiceover artist? Yeah, Is that, yeah, yeah. So so, it's. I feel like it's also a me a medium that a lot of actors don't get to play in anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like voiceover is very, it's like a, it's as tough as anything else to break into. So it's like, now I got to just play with my voice. Like, it seems like an awesome yeah. opportunity to just, to just have fun with. A hundred percent. And you mentioned Mark Duplass and I, I have to, since you're interviewing me, I have to mention Mark Duplass because <laughs> sure. he played a big role in my life. All right, let's hear it. Um, he, he, both he and his brother did this talk at the WGA. Hmm. It was like two or three years ago. And um, if you paid extra, you could meet them beforehand. You go to the WJ library, and they had like food and drinks and stuff. Uh, and so he and his brother were terrific, and they're just dropping pearls and like you know talking to. They talked to everybody. <coughs> um, so he shook his hand, and I kind of told him I had you know my production company had just finished. I had raised some money to do a film. The film fell apart. You know, mm. I was just devastated. And he's like, I totally understand. Like, go make a movie for like $1,000. Go make That's always his advice, man. <laughs> just go make it. Because it's like, you make it, and like, one, you realize, like, it's not impossible. It's just a thing, and you just mm-hmm. build it. Mm-hmm. And then, two, if you make something for nothing, and it's at least kind of good then you're on to something because it's like okay if you can make it for nothing then if you have like a little bit you can make something probably pretty great mm-hmm. and so uh, I totally took his advice and so that's when I decided I was going to make a feature film for a thousand dollars and uh, I don't know if you want to go into that no stuff yet, uh, yeah but... no that's, we can go into that right yeah we can segue into that from okay this. cool yeah, yeah the, so I but I want to hear more about Mark Duplass the, the, yeah the, so what else happened there? <laughs> that seems like a that seems like a super cool experience. It, it was. It really was. I mean, now the interaction that I had with him was fairly short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because he was being so generous to so many people. Like, yeah. I mean, he was just mobbed by there was I mean probably ten or fifteen people, and he would introduce himself, shake your hand, tell me about yourself. Like he was like he was really open and available yeah, to each person that was there. Oh, that's super was cool. Super cool. Yeah, because I I didn't know about Mark Duplass until I was trying to make my feature. Yeah. So it was kind of like the same thing where my, my plan was already making it with, with basically nothing. Yeah. Um, but hearing him say it over and over again, like he says, it's, it's kind of just funny for, to, to hear him say it, but he's like, yeah, just, you know, 
make a short film for five dollars yeah. or yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, well you're actually saying nothing, but <laughs> I don't know what the five bucks is gonna go to, but uh, yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah. 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 Make something with nothing and you see uh, how it goes. All right. So but... this so you said this was twenty seventeen? I wanna say it was something right around there. Yeah. Okay. A few years um, ago. And so then I I had already written lots of scripts at that point. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd written, I think, like eight or nine scripts. You're talking um, about feature scripts. These were feature scripts, but those were scripts that were written like to try and sell mm-hmm. or would need quite a bit of a budget. So like this time I wrote down, I was like, okay, what can I really get? You're writing to produce. Exactly. Versus, yeah. Yeah, and you're, I mean, I'm, you know that where like you're kind of wearing both hats at the same time. It's like, yeah. I want to write the sequence, but like I can't write the volcano in there like we're not going to get a volcano right That's not right gonna happen. so instead let's make it like a parking lot we'll get the parking lot uh and so i wrote uh, this piece i knew i wanted the characters uh to kind of reflect how i grew up so the characters were kind of like lower middle class maybe upper lower class um and you know were these suburban dorks who really wanted to be thugs and they wanted to be badasses and they were just you know goofballs uh, and then I knew I wanted to make it at least genre. Mm-hmm. So then that way, because I wanted to go from like from top to bottom, because I felt like a phony. Uh, you know, people were asking me advice on making movies and stuff, and I was giving advice out when I clearly had no idea what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm going to make a film from the inception all the way through the sale. Mm-hmm. Like the idea is, I'm going to sell this. If I sell it for a dollar, great. Then I then I can say that I understand all of this production. Um, and so I wrote this movie called Bakersfield Noir, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, it's uh, I kind of used the, uh, the like the reluctant detective as my mm-hmm. character. So mm-hmm. it's like okay, and it was an, an unnatural detective too. So instead of making it a detective, it's this stoner who like is a wannabe rapper, and mm-hmm. uh, and his his best friend gets killed, and he has to solve the crime. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, that you can sell to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just sitting there across from me, like, I can give you that in a sentence. Um, but I wanted to put as much of it into it as I could, and uh, I wanted I knew I wanted to have, like, a car chase scene, and I knew I wanted mm. to get the car crushed. Mm. And I knew I could kind of do that, so it was just a lot of phone calls, like, to, to like, auto places. Like, do you crush cars on site? And they're like, yeah, sure. It's like, if I brought in a car, would you crush it? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay, great. So I bought a car. That, this was my, my big, like, move as a producer. I bought a car for $300. Mm-hmm. From, that's, that's a third of your budget. That is a third of my budget. <laughs> but uh, bought the car for 300 We drove it all around Los Angeles. We filmed the hell out of it. Smashed the windows, mm-hmm. uh, everything mm-hmm. else. The entire time, I am sweating because the car is not registered. Uh, mm. There's no insurance on it. Uh, we're just, you know, playing it safe as we can. But then I called the car place. And I was like, yeah, I called you guys a while back. You guys have crushed my car. And they said, yeah, well, it kind of depends. I'm like, well, it depends. What do you mean? They're like, well, if you just bring it in and we crush it, we'll charge you $200. But if you let it sit in our yard for 30 days, then we'll pay you $200. And so I said, great. <laughs> so I gave them my car. Mm-hmm. And then we showed up on the day when they were going to crush it. How does, that, how does that work? The idea is <laughs> they leave it in a yard and then... Anyone can oh, walk up to parts, it and they can take parts, parts out. Okay. Exactly. And then gotcha. they buy the parts. Yeah. And the car worked, you know, for all of its foibles. It got you around. Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, they waited 30 days, and then I called a bunch of buddies, and we had like seven cameras uh, all mm. around. We recorded the whole thing being smashed. We actually even had a, a camera In inside the, the car. Uh, my buddy James Cadelia, again, he he worked on the last. He worked on the last Star Wars movie and the last um, uh, Star Trek movie. Mm. He had this little GoPro, and he was trying to destroy it. Like every time there was like a, you know an explosion or something, he would put the the GoPro right next to the the, the pyrotechnic, mm-hmm. waiting for it to blow up. But like, nope, he just kind of pushed the soot out of the way and was like, it still works. So mm-hmm. he, we put it inside the car and we recorded it. Uh, unfortunately, literally, they cubed the car, and yeah. we could not. And the guys at the place were super was... nice too. They were like, we're, we're, "We can try and open it up for you." And we're like, "Yes, if you can, get in there, get our camera." We never got it back. Yeah, yeah, that was gone. Yeah, but uh, no, that's cool. But yeah, we shot, we shot for about a year, and then the lockdown happened. We got ninety-five pages shot of a hundred and seven-page script. So let's look at the timeline really quick. Yeah. Mark Duplass talks to you in 2017. You're yeah. inspired. Yeah. How much time did you spend on the script? The script was probably about three months. Because mm-hmm. I, I completed a draft and then I did a reading of it. Um, and then I did another draft. And I think we did a second reading, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we did a second reading and that time I'd already cast it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the second reading was the actual like cast oh, that, nice. was, that was going to be done. Nice. So yeah, that was that was like three months right there. Yeah. Uh, okay. And then pre-production, you know, I spent. I had the camera already. I had some audio equipment. I'll do a brief recap. So, okay. you talked to Mark Duplass. Talked to Mark Duplass. Twenty seventeen. You spent three months kind of going back and forth with the script. Mm-hmm. You've written plenty of scripts before. You've written a couple. You've written multiple features. Mm-hmm. This time you're going at it with the with the idea of I have very limited budget. You're writing for it to be producible by you. Are you acting? Are you planning on acting in this thing? Yeah, okay. it was also going to be a vehicle for me to to and direct and direct. All right, write, direct, act, produce, all that stuff. All right, so that's that's the mindset of the writing. Uh, I think we're talking, were we talking pre-production? I ju- yeah, we just got into pre-production. Oh, you asked about the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, when my production company closed, uh, the camera that we had was a Canon 7D. Uh, it was mm-hmm. Mark II, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, I had that, and I had, like, I, think, I think I had three lenses. There was, you know, like the the crazy telephoto one that's mm-hmm. like the you know seventy to two hundred. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Uh, and then I had like plunked down some money to get like a, a really decent like lens. It was like a seventeen to fifty five. Um, and then I had like a, a pancake like fifty millimeter lens yeah. that were just like they're a hundred dollars. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the nifty fifty. Nifty fifty, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and so I I had that, and then for audio. I have these microphones. We talked about this before the recording started. Are these microphones that would actually mm. click right into your uh, your cell phone, and then there was an app you downloaded for five bucks, and you could record. So you got your lav mic that way. Mm-hmm. And then I know a sound guy, and I asked him, just like, what's the what's a cheap mic that I can get? And he pointed me this two hundred and fifty dollar microphone, 
and then I had like a little Zoom recorder mm -hmm. like this. Uh, yeah. And you know, you can plug into there, and so I was like, great, there's my sound. Um, and then I had I ordered I think almost all of my wardrobe was either from Goodwill mm -hmm. or from Amazon. And so I had to get all the actors' sizes, and I had to mm. get all that, and then I would have them come over to the house, try it on, or I would go to their house, have them try it on, make sure it worked. Uh, and then it came to, I had to build props. Can I get me one of the props? It's my favorite. Can you get it? Yeah. For the, yeah, please. Uh, oh, I have to disconnect. Uh, so I'll just marry as you walk over. Okay, good. All right, so Eric is walking across the room. He scampers lightly. Uh, he grunts as he picks this thing up. He's walking over. It's very shiny. It's uh, wrapped. It's very uh, right. plastic. This is my bale of marijuana. <laughs> it's my weed, my weed uh, box. Uh, so I had to make. 20 of these. So okay. Uh, right. okay. I went and got 20 boxes and then I got a bunch of uh, moss from, uh, please. Oh, if I may, yeah. Um, I got a bunch of hobby moss and I sprayed mm -hmm. it on there and then glued mm -hmm. it on and then wrapped it with saran wrap. Uh, and here's how effective it was. I did that and then mm. I also did 20, no, I did 50. Uh, yep, there it is. I have a tutorial on how to make these too. Uh, I made 50 uh, packages of cocaine, which was like corn flour that mm, I put mm -hmm. and wrapped up and everything. And we shot at my friend's house in his basement. And when we were loading in, somebody must have seen us go in. Because we loaded in, we shot, got all of our stuff, and then we packed up like, all of the, the kind of expensive equipment. But a bunch of the stuff, he's my, one of my best friends. I was like, I'm going to leave some of the stuff in the garage. So the next morning, I get a text from him at like 7 a.m. and it's a picture of his garage and somebody has like ripped the door open. Mm. Now I will say his door was like already kind of falling apart but somebody ripped the door open and they stole all of our props, our drug props, thinking mm. that they were real. And I so badly wanted to be there when somebody cut open some oh, like no. some flower and took a line or something like that. <laughs> That's crazy. I couldn't believe it, man. So uh, they stole some of the clothes, some of the costumes that we left behind as well. But luckily, like they didn't mm -hmm. get anything that was like irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, but yeah, built all the props, set all that stuff, location scout for everything. How large was the cast? You mentioned this process of the costumes. Like I'm trying to imagine what scale. Uh... There was really uh, main characters are. Probably like six, six main mm -hmm. characters, um, but we did have a couple of like ancillary, like you know, one-offs, one-liners here mm -hmm. and there, things like yeah, that. Yeah, your day players are exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So luckily, like I said, you know, it sounds like a sizable cat. I mean, sizable workload for for such a for such a production. It was. I was also really. Careful too, though, because I knew how many lav mics we had, and so I couldn't write any scenes that had more than two, maybe a third person in it. Though, so every time there's a scene that we would shoot, you're, I was always very, very uh, acutely aware of the fact that like there's going to be two people because we only have two microphones, mm -hmm. <laughs> so like that's all we're going to get. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but like, luckily, we we got away with everything 
fairly well. And I, I think just because they maybe felt bad for me, I got some really good actors. So <laughs> they um, felt bad for you. I think they were. You just mean like, because they respected you? No. And were, were... <laughs> I'd like to believe that, but I think the truth of the matter was probably no, like, like, no, okay. no. People don't show up because they feel bad. Mm. I don't think that's a thing people do. I, I think you're right. I don't. I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. Uh, but yeah, we went into production. We shot. Um, I was always. I had to be in the production manager as well, and like you know, mm-hmm. see what time we were shooting and get everything together. That was the biggest. Oh God! I mean, when you're shooting low budget, no budget, everything counts so much. Mm-hmm. If you forget a roll of tape, well, you're screwed. You can't do. You can't work that day because you don't have the tape. You know, like you mm-hmm. gotta, you have to make sure you have everything. You have to be really diligent about it. And that was the thing where, like, I would just always just have a piece of like lead in my gut, just like if I forget anything, yeah. We are just, yeah. And it happened once or twice where we would show up to set, be ready to go, and it's just like, oh, we don't have like the Zoom recorder. I'm like, oh, hang on, everybody, wait. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drive to my house, come back. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up we we shot. I I made it a point to. One, to feed everybody, and two, yeah. to shoot as fast as we could. I didn't want anyone sitting around. I didn't want anyone to devote, like, eight hours of their day. Like, that was too much. It was like, mm-hmm. let's shoot in, like, four-hour blocks. Mm-hmm. So then that way, you know, it's not your entire Saturday. You're not your whole yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, You're being very respectful of people's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we, like I said, we got 95 pages shot. And out of? Out of 107. Okay. So we're at this point now, like all the tough stuff has been shot. Like yeah. we did the car chases, we yeah. did the car crushing, we like all of that stuff. The all the money shots. All the money shots are all <laughs> done. But so uh, we have about seven pages of me kind of, uh, you know, outside doing stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a small percentage of like you know insert shots that we have to get. But there are two scenes where it's actors interacting without masks. And for a long time, I just wouldn't tackle it because mm-hmm. I was like, There's, I'm not, I'm not going to. Yeah, it's it. not time for that yet. Now, I think we're getting to a place, as we've mentioned before, we're getting to a place where I think you can do it safely. You know, if everyone's being careful, you're going to be fine. Yeah, because I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that the, the crew size is already limited in that situation mm-hmm. anyway. Because I mean, I've shot a few short films since COVID where it's like, oh, it's either exterior or it's a very limited amount of time. And mm-hmm. it's just like, me as the director holding the boom mic yeah. and booming and then the DP and we're both masked while they're acting. And like, this just, it's... It's possible. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to do it versus like having the full full production where there's 10 people crowded and yeah. nobody's wearing it. Like, you know, of course. Yeah. So it's probably possible at this point. But uh, Yeah. And like, luckily I've, I've had those talks like with mm-hmm. my actors. Like, you know, are you cool? Are you okay with this? Mm-hmm. And I think luckily all of the people who are part of the our production are all equally taking it seriously. Yeah, yeah. So how, how 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 long has the filming been going? Like, when was first day versus the yeah. f- the first unofficial day was uh, the DP <laughs> and I going up to uh, Bakersfield and just getting like B roll. Okay, I don't count that. So, yeah, yeah, most people don't. Yeah. Uh, so that was that's not going to make the cut. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That was probably December of 2018. Okay. So then, yeah, we spent all of 2019 yeah, getting most of it. And then I figured we'd be done 
I was really hoping we would be finished um, in like March. Mm -hmm. But of course, then the lockdown happened. Mm -hmm. like, uh, there was a couple of times where like I could have shot in January and was like, nah, we'll just we'll yeah. save them for next week. And oh boy, well, they're all going back. That reminds me of when people say, because let's say there's a mentality that people have sometimes where it's the uh, there there's always next time or we can always do this another time. It's like no, like I'm all I always push for like as soon as as soon as we can. It's like are you available? Like what we just did for this podcast. You yeah. said you said Monday, Tuesday, or like Friday or yeah, Thursday. Yeah. I'm like, all right, let's just do it Monday. <laughs> because if that if that falls through, we know we have Tuesday and the other day. Yeah. So, because uh, yeah, there there is there's there's times like not to put Spencer under the under the bus here. <laughs> no, it was like easy stuff. Like you're gonna meet up for coffee. Yeah. And then the next day, there's a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> and we canceled coffee because of some lame reason. And it's like, oh, now I haven't seen you for eight months now, buddy. Like, that was, that was like our chance. And we, you, you never know. You never know what tomorrow's going to bring, man. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so yeah. So I, here we are. <laughs> here we are. And okay. uh, so I'm certainly, yeah, kicking myself quite a bit because, like, oh, man, we could Yeah, not to, not to rub it in. But, no, that's fine. Um, Luckily, I mean, as you know, with posts, um, my plan always was that I can, I'm a good enough editor to where I can get it, like, I can get a string out. You know, I can at least sync everything and get kind of like, here's the general story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then take that to a real editor yeah, and you can. be like, now make this look pretty. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I found, like, everybody in the entertainment business, like, on some level loves doing what they do, but there's always a little extra that they hate doing. Mm. That and I think for editors, a big part the, of it, the assistant editor position, yeah, like they, just syncing and they don't getting, have to do all that stuff. And then like you know, kind of like, kind of put it together. Like that's all the boring stuff. The stuff that they love doing is you know when, moving, yeah, moving, moving this. Oh, this should go here. We should switch to this shot before this one. Like that's the stuff that they love doing. So great. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, I'm gonna get it to this place. Uh, my plan was originally I was gonna get it to this place on my own, and then. Also because of the pandemic, uh, I have a couple of friends and one was this young woman and she had moved to Los Angeles and been here about two years, I want to say, mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, to be an editor. Jobs were kind of starting to happen mm. and then everything stopped. Yeah. And so I had asked her, I was like, if you're, and she, you know, she's in a studio apartment with her boyfriend and they're just doing nothing. They're just bored. And I was like, well, if you're, if you want something to do. You know, if you want to mm -hmm. work on my film, and she was delighted. At yeah. The idea. So yeah. she's her name's Laura Dern. Uh, Laura Dern. Uh, <laughs> Laura Dern. It's <laughs> Laura Dern. <laughs> she, her career is taking a really weird direction. She's decided she's going to go into editing now. <laughs> no, Laura Dern. Uh, and uh, she's been doing a terrific job. She's absolutely killing mm, it. Nice. So I'm so thankful. Yeah. yeah. Stuff pops up like that, and yeah. it's kind of nice. It's a win-win. So, all right. I was gonna. How 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 are you managing continuity with with cast and stuff? Has that been easy enough to manage? Like nobody's going through any. Cause like I'm sure your hair is probably easy enough to maintain in a certain. And you go probably clean shaven for your character. Yeah. So that's like kind of that seems easy to me. And hopefully nobody's like. 
I don't know. Like I just think about even just weekends apart. When in in early in my early days, when it's like an actor gets a haircut in the middle of a week, and I'm like, we just shot. Yeah. <laughs> we're shooting two weekends. How could you get a haircut in I, between or or gaining weight because of the pandemic? Like, there's all sorts of weird stuff that's there, going on. Yeah, hundred percent. There is all sorts of weird stuff, and by and large, you know, we should, like I said over the course of the year, we shot with one guy in January, and then we shot him again in like December. And mm-hmm. luck, I just got lucky. Like, and it also, I think it's easier with a dude too, because for the most part, like guys just usually have like one haircut that they get in high school, and then they're just like, "That's my haircut forever." Right, right. Uh, right. And so, yeah, that was you know his deal as well. Mine was actually the most difficult because the sides of my head were shaved, and I had lines mm-hmm. in them, mm-hmm. uh, and then I had a mullet. Now the mullet was like a hairpiece that I would yeah, attach. Yeah, yeah. But there is actually one scene in the film where like we got done with production, we wrapped everything up, and I. Say goodbye to everybody, and then I go and I look at myself in the mirror and realize I didn't shape the lines into. So there is one scene in the movie where I was the one who screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. by and large, everyone else just kind of stayed the same looking, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, I I I asked people to be cognizant of it. Yeah, but it's all, I, it's all you can do, really. Yeah, but like I didn't worry about it too much. The, one of the nice things going back to Mark Duplass, one of the nice things about him was, you know, he he kind of said like. Don't be afraid to suck. Right, you right, know? right. Like, don't put, like, this isn't going to be your magnum opus. This isn't going to be <laughs> Citizen Kane. Go make your film and you suck. And don't be afraid to do that. And recognize, like, oh, that did suck. The next time I do it, then I'll know to improve on that. Yeah. And that frees you up so much. 100%. Uh, well, I mean, it's because it's knowing that this isn't going to be the only movie you ever make. Yeah is freeing because it's like all right sweet everything's not writing on this one i know i got more i got more in here to put on paper like there's it's a lot of time exactly but then again (laughs) (laughs) maybe there is that was a weird dark turn (laughs) um all right since we're i feel like i want to jump to some other stuff really quick but uh or unless you have any i don't know what else? I mean, that feels like it caps up that pretty good. Unless there's anything yeah. else. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, the, the yeah, you're looking. To, it's coming together now. We're gonna we'll shoot the other twelve pages, and I'm 100 percent confident. Like it'll get out there. And yeah. You'll be able to see it. Nice. Cool. And I'll make a dollar. And you'll make your dollar, yep. and then you'll move on to the next one. That's right. Sweet. Quick stuff. Yeah. I don't know how quick it is. January. Of this year? No, what? I put the wrong date. Yeah, January of this year. I wanted to hear more about. You posted this on Facebook, and I remember seeing it, and I I gave a heart reaction to it. <laughs> it was your opening for Kevin Hart, and you played to your biggest. Yes. You played to your biggest stand-up audience. Yeah. In your in your in, in my your career, career. I played to like eleven hundred people. Yeah. So. It was it was bonkers, man. I, yeah, I got a call and they it was for his YouTube show, uh, and they're like, "Look, we're gonna have like eleven hundred people, and so we need you to perform for them." And like, it's even though it was January, it was like I want to say it was down south, still like. I think 85 degrees that day. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, there was no shade whatsoever. When you say south, are you saying like San Diego? Not or? quite that far, but okay. more like I think like I want to say like Long Beach area. So I was like, not like Mexico, that. like not, no, not no, that no. far, <laughs> not that far. <laughs> uh, 
But it was, yeah, it was 95, it was like 85, 95 degrees, something like that. And it was in this football stadium and uh, like this junior college. And mm-hmm. so we had everyone out there and it was fantastic. And it felt so incredible to stand in front of all those people. And everyone had a blast. Everyone had a really, really good time. Yeah. Uh, and I, did, I learned so much as well because when you're talking to somebody, you can be small and kind of subtle. When you're playing to 1,100 people, that, I mean, you all of a sudden realize like, everything's got to be out here, man. Everything's got to be mm-hmm. big, big, big. And I can't rely on the microphone the way I can when I'm in a small enclosed club. Because mm-hmm. like this, this was, uh, describe the space that you, describe the space you were performing It on. was It was literally like we were all on the football field mm-hmm. uh, of in this junior college. And so the idea was uh, Kevin Hart has this workout show that he does. And he usually brings in celebrities and it's kind of silly. This one was going to be a little bit more heartwarming. And he wanted this idea like, you know, everyone can do this. So let's get this huge crowd of people together. So everyone had these kind of like mats and we're all spread out. Um, you know, like on this football field. And so performing there, everyone could see me, but I knew the sound would hit the person in front of me immediately. But the person in the back, I have to wait about two and a half seconds, three seconds before it hits them. Mm -hmm. So I can't go really fast. Like I have to slow down my material. I have to really enunciate my words. I can't... Uh, I can't have like a quick run on sentence. Like I need to be short, sharp and concise. Uh, so that was, it was fascinating. And like just coming off of that just felt amazing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't mm-hmm. believe it. Yeah. 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 So did, okay. Cause everybody wants to know about, about Kevin Hart <laughs> <laughs> too. I mean, did you have a chance? Cause okay. I just want to, it was for his show. Yeah. How, how much time did you have to prepare for this? So like, like uh, I'm just imagining what the prep was like and, and, and the excitement leading up to the day and, and the nerves or however that was going to play. I for... think it, it wasn't much. It was like, I think like a week mm-hmm. uh, beforehand. Um, and, you know, I do stand up regularly. So, like, I, there wasn't much prep in that regard. Yeah, you had your stuff ready. I had my, like, I had my routine down, you know, and, like, I'm a natural host. So, like, I can, you know, entertain people. Um I will, like, this is the, the big downer of it. Like, I spent maybe 40 seconds with Kevin Hart. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> they had the production. I entertained everybody. He came out. They did the show. And then when we were done, he also had gotten hurt. He'd hurt his back, I think, like, filming Jumanji or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so he wasn't really super talkative. But because we're both comics, I think he made it a second. He, he made it a point to at least come by and just like, hey, man, thanks a lot. It was really cool of you to do, do all this. And mm-hmm. it's like, it was really cool of you to do all of this. So thank you. <laughs> like, no, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then that was kind of it. Like, he yeah, just yeah, he yeah. said thanks and then kind of bounced off. Yeah, similar to the Mark Duplass experience. Similar to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how it goes. But no, that's, that's still super cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good I one, mean that's man. an experience. Absolutely, I was so thankful for that. Yeah, I want to know what else is on your list. Um, <laughs> you have a selfie I in twenty eighteen with Lisa Kudrow. I do. Yes. I was curious about how that came about. 
I did the Phoebe of friends. friends. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I met a lot of celebrities that I wish I'd taken selfies with. Yeah, yeah. That uh, she had a show that has now become like a regular show. Um, that it now has a different name, but when I recorded with it, it was uh, called. Um, uh, I think it was Words with Friends. Mm. Um, that's a that's an app game. It's an app game, but then they had they wanted to make it for for television, and in essence, mm. it was kind of like Pictionary or charades. Uh, but the there would be a person playing, and then they would have uh, six celebrities, three on each team. And so I recorded. I was the warm up guy for this show, and so they recorded. I think we recorded over the course of two or three days, uh, like twelve episodes. Mm-hmm. And there was some great. Tay Diggs was there, and uh, uh, Bradley Whitford. I'm a huge fan of. If you guys watch The West Wing or uh, Get Out, mm-hmm, uh, he's mm-hmm. the dad. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Cabin in the Woods. He's terrific in that too. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but yeah, they they had a bunch of people, and so Lisa Kudrow was the executive producer, mm. and so she was also in a couple episodes as well. And her actually got a chance to talk with for a little bit because we wrapped and, you know, there was the kind of everyone saying thanks at the end and, you know, taking pictures and all this stuff. And her birthday was coming up and that's what we had talked about. And, you know, she's, she said, yeah, I'm getting out of town for a while because my birthday's coming up. I'm like, that's great. What are you going to do? And she's like, actually, I actually just like to spend my birthday by myself. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just like get a place usually and kind of hang have out. Some and cake or, have yeah. some cake. Have some cake, yeah. And just kind of hang out and like read and like have my own headspace. And I'm like, oh, that. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So, but she was very polite and very sweet, and I asked her for a selfie, and she said yes, and that was very cool. Nice. Yeah, you have to, I guess, I don't know. I was thinking about the, the advice for getting a selfie with a celebrity, but yeah. but uh, that sounds like the, the proper method is, like, you have the, the genuine interaction, and then if you kind of feel it out, and it's like, yeah. It is, it is tough because, one, when you run into celebrities... I think if you're a respectful person, you don't want to bug them. You know, you yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. you appreciate them. But having said that, yeah, you want to take a picture of them because, like, uh, you like them. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's that's the modern day, you know, kind of, it, instead of getting an autograph, you get a selfie now. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times it's, you have to find the right time to stop and introduce yourself and then ask them and you yeah. want to make sure you're not ruining their day. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's weird. Um but like that was yeah that one was a really that one was pretty oh, that's easy. cool that's cool you get to sit and talk for a little yeah because I, I I don't know I've mentioned it before in the podcast and I don't want to I hate bragging uh, whatever it's not even a brag but I I jokingly I took a selfie with David Schwimmer oh nice and I in my post about it I joked about like all right one friend down. However many to go. So when you when I saw yours, like oh, like all right, how did he get? Where gets Lisa Kudrow? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Tom's could get her for me. <laughs> exactly. So that's what went through my my mind. I'm like, all right, there's, you know, you're looking for the the the, the degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the side door? I can slide in real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're 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 nearing the end. I I guess I want. There's two things we can talk about. Yeah. I think there's a few, but uh, how much is there to say about you being a programmer at the at the Newport Beach Film Festival? What yeah. what does that mean to you, and how does that 
That so, was uh, that was a surprise thing that came along. Uh, also through the night of short night. Mm. Um, one of the guys who presented there a couple of times, named Nicholas Thurkettle, is the guy I mentioned before that you know taught me the Shakespearean classes and things like that. Uh, he had been a programmer there and uh, had said like, "Hey, I'm kind of exiting the yeah. system, and they want other programmers." And so I mentioned you, and they sounded excited because of uh, my experience. Yeah. And uh, the it was funny. The guy called me, and the night that he called me, we had a massive power outage, and mm. so we were just plunged into darkness. And I said, "I got to take a break real quick, just to make sure my children don't die." Mm. But it's uh, it's the Newport Beach Film Festival. They've been going for I think probably thirty five years at this point, mm-hmm. um, and some of the programmers have been there. You know, fifteen plus years. Yeah. Some people like the the guy who runs it. Him and his wife are both retired, so like they're able to you know really put like all of their time and effort into it. And the thing, more than anything, it's of course been strange because it's all during COVID. Yeah. And the 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 thing that he hyped me on the most is like, oh man, our parties. Like our, I've been to like Tribeca and Sundance. Like our parties are great. Mm-hmm. They won't happen this year. Yeah. But uh, they're terrific. Something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, but the the fascinating thing is being able to see behind the curtain of mm-hmm. you know like right. a, a large film festival like what is going on there, and you see just the sheer size, the the amount of films that are submitted mm-hmm. are just I mean I think it's like it's, they open the submission I believe in August and then submissions close I want to say in end of November or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we're still a couple of weeks away and they already have like 13,000 submissions. Yeah. And that's shorts, documentaries, feature films. Yeah, all, all the categories down, yeah. And yes, yeah, you just need to have like a small army of people who are watching those that's and submitting them. And so what they do is, you know, they, they seem like they are very considerate and trying to do their best to, to, get, a, uh, to get a consensus on something that you really can't commodify, or you, you can't really <clears throat> get a consensus on, which is art. You know, you show somebody a movie and they think yeah. it's garbage, you show somebody else and it's their favorite thing. Yeah. So how do you decide that? And what they do is they have three readers, I'm sorry, they have three uh, reviewers, and then they have a programmer. Yeah, you're getting, you're getting confused with AFF for a second I, there. <laughs> 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 they they have they have uh yeah I'm getting it I'm getting it slowly. They have three reviewers who all give like their reviews, and then a programmer who then like gives the ultimate kind of like mm-hmm. here's and, that's, and that's where you would come in. And that's where I come in. Mm-hmm. So my job is to watch between now and February like 600 short films. Mm-hmm. And you uh, watch the 600 that are pre-screened. Prior to getting to yeah. like these are they've ones. already been decided on who's getting in and who's getting out. Mm-hmm. So at this point now we're deciding like oh well they they've already been submitted, uh, and then I'm a part of the team who decides like when they get in, and then I'm another. Uh, it'll be my job to host a night mm-hmm. of shorts. Um, mm, fitting, which which works. I know how to do that. Uh, it'll be my job to host tonight, and I have to show up and make sure that everything runs smoothly. Now, of course, it'll be different this year because we'll just be doing it via Zoom. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. That, I mean, that'll be a good experience, too, just to see how they operate it. And then, of course, you yeah. can use that, that toolbox. Exactly. So, yeah. But now, there, I don't believe it's until April. And I apologize now. If anybody part of the Newport Beach Film Festival... And I'm getting all of this information wrong. I've, I've been at it for like well, a month. We can always <laughs> advise people to go to their website. It's or... probably a good idea to check them out online. <laughs> Don't just listen to me. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it is fascinating to see like the the work that goes into it. And I, I mean, it'll be in April. So who knows where we'll be by April? Maybe it's we'll... a, that's a weird that's a that's a weird one for sure. April seems like a it's not... it's probably going to be in that transitional phase still. Yeah, because I, I, I I'm know... still thinking about August next year is maybe when that's kind of where mass I'm will start coming off. And we're actually like able to go maybe. To... When can we go to concerts again? That's what I want to know. I haven't seen a good live music show in eight months. I've been seeing some live like I'll watch some YouTube videos from. Cause I watch Lincoln Park videos online. It kind of makes me happy. Yeah. But like they're the, seeing those cons, like the 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 audiences back in the day. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, Look at that's crazy. <laughs> that would not happen right now. People just standing next to each other. But yeah, no, that's cool. You're yeah. A programmer for the first time. Yeah. And an established film festival. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then as you had mentioned, uh, AFF, which is Austin Film Festival. I've been mm-hmm. a reader for them for the last two years. Yeah, and, and I read for them this year thanks to your recommendation. Good. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you have a keen eye, so I think. Yeah, they're... yeah. Uh, and I think as well they. They paid me this year. Yeah. And I think it was because they were really scrambling. I think a lot of their normal readers bounced because, of course, one of the big draws of like reading for Austin is, is the fact ticket. you get to go. Yeah, you get to go to the film festival and you're kind of like a part of it. And so when people realize it's just going to be online this year, I think it's just a lot mm-hmm. of people ran out the door. So mm-hmm. they came to me to like, can you read 300 scripts in <laughs> two weeks? I said, sure. We'll give you five bucks a script. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You think we we're, got it? We're pretty much we're there, and you've got you've got you've got another thing coming up here. One, if you can squeeze a story in sure. in the next like two minutes. Justin Timberlake. Okay. Does that ring the bell? It does not. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's all I got. Right. <laughs> no, no. What, what, what I will, was the Justin Timberlake thing? <laughs> I was watching. You mentioned a production company. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and Justin Timberlake was a part of the reel, but I don't know how involved you were in, yeah. all, those, in all those videos was, and stuff. This was also an interesting thing as well. Uh, more of a learning more than mm-hmm. anything else. I never met Justin Timberlake. Let me just say that right off. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I had a very small production company, and... Um, we were approached by uh, uh, Columbia Sony Pictures mm-hmm. uh, to put together this kind of like quick teaser for, you know, just mm. for the internet for the movie uh, Bad Teacher, uh, um, Charlie's Theron. Oh, no, sorry, uh, Cameron Diaz. Right. And so he co-starred in that, and then they gave us the footage, and so it was our guys had cut, you know, like a 15-second okay, one, a five-second okay. one. And so as a result, we're like, well, we're going to keep this footage and put it in our reel. Yeah, yeah. So it's more of a part of the editor editing side. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because there was two artists that I recognized in there. There was, of course, Justin Timberlake, and then there was Common. Yeah. And I don't know if that was a shoot uh, that itself. Was, or... Yeah, that was another shoot uh, that one of our other editors had done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he brought the footage to us and said, can you use this for the reel? And we said, yes, we can. We're going to put common in there and make it look like we work with all <laughs> yeah, the big yeah. names. Yeah, because I just had a, a younger director that I just met like last year, and she was directing and DPing a music video for Common. Oh, really? This last weekend or something. So I was like, oh, like that's the only reason he stood out to me. I was like, I just saw him. I was like, oh, that's... Well, you know, the strange thing, and I think this is a, a 
for somebody who wants to make it as a director, I say this to the, the, the internets. Um, I heard this not long ago. I thought it was such a smart idea. Mm-hmm. Was this guy who's now an executive, pretty high up Monkey Muck, but while he was kind of coming up, what he would do is he would save up $5,000 and then he would look at Billboard top, you know, like top 20. Uh, yeah. And he would then, if there was like a new band that was coming out and they were on the top 20, he would contact them and say like, if you're in Los Angeles, like I'll make a music video for $5,000 because there's so little money going into, there's two levels of music videos right now. There's like the bargain basement we're like, it's just like, we're doing this, we're a garage band, we're doing this on our own. Yeah. Or you're Lady Gaga. And like, there's no real middle ground. And so this guy, he could get kind of anybody. Just like, yeah, I'll fund it. But then I get it for my reel. And so then he would make these like really cool. And then that's how he kind of progressed his career. That's yeah. how he kind of got his start. Because immediately you knew you were going to put something online. It was short, so most people would click on it. And also it had popular people in it. Mm-hmm. It, got, it, got, made, it got eyeballs. It got yeah. eyeballs, yeah, exactly. So it was any directors out there. At the, at the same time, though, do. if you are a director out there, you can make a feature film for that. You can totally make a feature film for $5,000. <laughs> so it's kind of like that. I don't know. It's a, Depends on what you want. I think that is that is also, you know, tying it back to what we talked about in the beginning, you know, like when I went through my, my cultural shift, my cultural awakening, mm-hmm. I think that is one of the things that has given me the most focus in my career is just like, what do you want to do? Because mm-hmm. that's the question. When you get here, so many people, you know, they know they want to act or they want to write or they want to direct. Great. There's a lot of directing jobs. There's a lot of writing jobs. There's a lot of acting jobs. And they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. And there, you might be you know, the guy on the weed killer commercial. Or you're going to be the, maybe the woman who's the star of the indie film that you know, has like a really strong message. You know? mm-hmm. Are you going to be the director who's doing voiceover for government clerical jobs or are you going to be doing like you know are you the director who's doing like you know a, a low budget play like you know in north hollywood or something like that like once you find that focus and like the things that really make you the happiest and the things where your toolbox is most appropriate for i think that's when you maybe not become super successful mm-hmm. but just you feel so much more calm and more relaxed because like i'm yeah. doing okay yeah i'm doing the things that i like to do it feels good to know what you want to do. It does feel good. It's very, it feels very good. Yeah. On that note, <laughs> being that we had audio go out once and the camera go out once, hopefully this pieces together nicely. <laughs> it's great having you on. Dude, it's so good. And we'll see you next time. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.